0: Hey who fans, welcome to the Big Blue Box Podcast. My name's Gary. My name's Adam. And welcome to episode 196. Oh yes. Have you ever thought what it's like to be wanderers in the fourth dimension? Nobody in the universe can do what we're doing. I've reversed the polarity of the neutron flow so the TARDIS should be free of the force field now. There's no point in being grown up if you can't be childish sometimes. The trouble with time travel is one never seems to find the time. Change, my dear, and it seems on a moment too soon. Unlimited rice pudding, et cetera, et cetera. I am the doctor. Great men are forged in fire privilege of lesser men to light the flame. I'm the doctor. This is Rose Tyler. She's my plus one. Is that all right? That would be me. Hello. Surprise. Boom. Et cetera. I'm the doctor. Do everything I tell you. Don't ask stupid questions. And don't wander off. How can you kid this? I don't like the colour. Howdy doo do, who fans. Hope you've all had a cracking week and you've all managed to do something. something Doctor, Doctor, Who Doctor related. related. Yeah. yeah. Apologies if I sound a bit husky, a little bit coming you coming to you from the throes of man flu. <laughs> and you do DNA. sound a bit groggy. A little bit. Not the touch best. of the timing. old mm. touch of the old cosmic angst. <laughs> <laughs> exactly that, mate. Yeah. Uh, so, the man flu is, has taken hold, but I'm fighting it. I'm fighting it hard. You need to. You've got to get yourself geared up, because we've got a
1: very busy weekend coming.
0: Oh, crikey. You
1: need to get yourself well. Indeed. Uh, yeah, we've
0: got LFCC this weekend.
1: Yes. It's finally upon us.
0: Finally. Yeah. It's sweltering here in the UK still. Crikey.
1: It's unprecedented, actually. I know... Um, <laughs> I know it's boring to talk about the weather but this is something else that we're experiencing <laughs> at the minute and it's like we're just not used to this heat and it's been like this for quite some time and there's no end in sight so yeah we are roasting here
2: in the UK.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it, indeed it's um it's about 27 where we are in the south of the UK today. I think the next 2 days are going to be killer because uh I think it's like 33 or something tomorrow and then drops down to a very cool 30. On Friday. But fortunately for Comic-Con at the weekend, in London at least, it's going to be a very chilly 25. <laughs> so um, not too bad. But I tell you what, mate, this is, this is what we were saying last week about the venue, the Olympia. Um, where I did think of that, yeah. It's not the coolest of places. No. Even when there isn't a million people in there. Uh, I don't think the aircon is too amazing. So although it's going to be 25, it's probably going to feel like 35 inside. Oh, it's going to be so. baking.
1: I mean, last year um, on the Saturday, it was really busy. And I remember just, it was just an, a sweat box. It was just so hot in there. And mm-hmm. it was no, nowhere near as hot as it is this year. It's going to be, it's going to be unbearable. Yeah. <laughs> I, can't, I actually, I'm really looking forward to it, but I also can't wait to to sort of, for it to be over. I'm kind of looking forward to looking back on it and <laughs> getting out of there because um, yeah. it's going to, I think.
0: Yeah. There was, um, I was thinking about this, and somebody tweeted me earlier when I said, uh, I said, um, a a big applause needs to go out to Showmasters for landing this amount of Doctor Who um, Mm. people this year because they announced Stephen Moffat earlier or last night. Yes. Yeah. The Mothball. Yeah. Which is really cool. And somebody said, I'm really jealous that I I, I can't get to go. And uh, they said, Has LFCC always been this epic? And it got me thinking back to going back a few years. For some reason, it's one of those sort of cursed, it used to be one of those cursed um, events for the weather, I mean, because I remember going back to, I don't know, I'm just picking a year out of the air here, but something like 2012, 2013, or even Mm. 2011. um, I remember for, for a few years on the bounce, it was always rainy, or it was nowhere near as hot as this. Yeah. And then I remember going back a few years not as late as that maybe sort of 2014 or something like that 2015 the first year i noticed it was walking past the queue in the morning it must have been about nine thirty, 30 quarter to 10 and uh walking past the queue that now goes round the block and round the Come block on, another yeah. time
2: yeah. and
0: in this sweltering heat not as hot as it is this week but uh you know, and there was people in cosplay, absolutely sweat it must be. I was been just thinking about
1: the people in cosplay are yeah, gonna be yeah. absolutely they'll they'll have lost a stone by the <laughs> time they've done
0: that weekend, won't they? It must be horrible. Yeah. I mean great in one way, because a lot of people put a lot of effort into these elaborate cosplays. Um and because uh, they're becoming they are becoming a lot more sort of over the top in a good way. So when mm. you see like these people, especially in some of sort of the Japanese anime kind of big huge suits that they wear and even just simple things like people wearing predator suits or alien or you know that sort of thing It must be so difficult to to function after 10 minutes of being in that heat so oh, um, there's
1: a predator guy isn't there that's I've seen him at a few of them and he's yeah, I mean he yeah. looks like the real thing it's an unbelievable cosplay that that guy's it's got bang yeah. on, isn't it yeah yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: but i also got me thinking about comic con and how and this is really I'm, I'm not sort of cutting my nose off to swipe my face but I remember going back to those years, sort of twenty fourteen, for an example, when you used to rock up on the day and pay a fiver to get in. Mm. You know, not much of a queue. You pay a fiver to get in, and Mm. you decided as you were walking through the door who you were going to queue up and get a a picture with, or something like that. Yeah. Um, But now it's because it's such a huge thing, and it's big money, and it's you know we we are sort of edging ever closer to. I wouldn't say rivaling the, the big ones like San Diego Comic-Con that we've just had right. or anything like that, but it's definitely going in that direction where you literally have to treat it like a sort of military operation. Now You have to, mm. you know, first of all, you decide you're going for the, the full three days. Probably not if you're like hardcore, then you book the Friday off and you go then. Otherwise, it's like, do I go both days, Saturday and Sunday? Or do I just go one or the other? Right, I'm going on both days. Who's going to be there? Right, they're only going to be there on Sunday, but these other people are there the whole weekend. You wait for the schedule for, from Showmasters, right? Their, their photo block's that time, this other person's that time, and you plan it all out. And it really is a bit of a it's like a general sort of directing from up on high. It's like, right, let's get into action and get this booked. But it can be a bit stressful, mate. You said earlier in the week, didn't you, that you found it a bit sort of meh?
1: Yeah, I was just like that. They they put the schedule up for the photo shoots and trying to make head nor tail of it, and I was just like, it was it was stressing me out of my box. It really was. I was just because yeah. I was like, you, you're right. You do have to kind of you do kind of have to plan it pretty much before you go. Now, like the times. Uh-huh. That they, you know, you got to know where you've got to be at certain times. Otherwise, you miss your shoots, and that's it. Your money's gone. You know, there's no, there's no getting your money back from these things. So, yeah, I was going through it, trying to plot my times of where I needed to be on what days and stuff, and it was mm-hmm. pretty hard going. I mean, it was like a lot of the Doctor Who guests clashed this year, and um I mean, the schedule to me looks disastrous. I don't know why they've done it like <laughs> they have. Um, I said to you, I'm sure there's reasons for it, but a lot of the Doctor Who guests are clashing this year, like on the Sunday. Peter Capaldi, Kristen Reckerson and Matt Smith—all of theirs overlap and clash, and it's—it's. It's, I, I can see it being chaos, but um, but I've got to say, just going back to the guests they've announced this year, um, comparing it to last year, we got a lot more. I would say classic Doctor Who guests, mm-hmm. and they were a lot cheaper as well. I know me and you picked up quite a few, yeah. you know, great little autographs, graphs, and they were sort of ten, fifteen pound each, and it was nice. This year, they've really gone towards the newer series, which is great because me and you have been calling for this for mm-hmm. for ages. Obviously, that means an increase in price has to be expected, and we've already spoke at length about the, you know, the high prices oh. this year. But it, but it is nice to see us getting the new series guests. You know, every time I moan about the prices or whatever, I sort of think, well. You've got to have a compromise, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, we'd all like them to be cheaper, but I, I do like the fact that we're at least starting to get the new serious people doing conventions again over here. So,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know. Um, but yeah, they they've done very well. It is you know, <laughs> if you're not a Doctor Who fan, you're probably a bit bemused by a lot of the guests this year. at I you know, I've seen a few people saying that, like, not another Doctor Who announcement. Ah. <laughs> but but for us Doctor Who fans, they've really pulled some great guests out of the bag this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, Matt Smith for me was is an absolute. I'm so glad he's added. I'm you know, I really hoping he doesn't cancel last minute or anything because, yeah, it, <laughs> they've done well. Mm-hmm. You know, they've done good.
0: <laughs> they have done absolutely and it's a shame that uh uh that mccoy cancelled because it would have sort of rounded off the <laughs> yeah it would actually you know the string of doctors that they they managed to get but it would a, have
1: been yeah. all the surviving doctors apart from and tenner wouldn't it mm-hmm.
0: yeah it would just be yeah. those
1: if mccoy hadn't cancelled it would have been all of them par those two yeah
0: yeah it would have been amazing and i'm i i i've got a feel a feeling in the in in me that they would have tried to get tenant as well. They they absolutely mm. would have approached him, but for whatever reason he'd he's either busy or or whatever. But can you, you imagine the photo sheet with Eccleston, Tenant, Smith, and Capaldi? That would have been oh, wow. A, yeah, know. that would have been a belter, wouldn't it? Very it expensive, been... like five hundred quid, I suppose. But,
1: <laughs> but yeah, probably. Yeah, <laughs> it would be a belter to have on your wall, wouldn't it? Uh, it have would. you ever have you ever been tempted to cosplay?
0: I have, I have indeed. I as um, tenant. As tenant, yeah, I did it a couple of times. When uh, this is going back a few years before I started the podcast, um, but it was never in public. It was only sort of a uh, sort of fancy dress or birthday parties and so on. There. Right, I managed. I did manage to pick up a, a brown suit. It wasn't. It didn't have the blue pinstripes, but it was a brown suit, the same colour, and I had the same shirt and tie, and I had the Converse on and did the hair all sort of spiky and stuff and it did look pretty good because in the photos you couldn't really notice it wasn't a pinstripe suit so yeah uh, so i've nailed it for a little bit but and i have thought about it quite a bit since i've been uh every few months i go onto this website called um magnoli clothiers i know them yeah
1: yeah they do all the ties all the temp doctor ties and all that
0: yeah yeah exactly and they've um as far as i know they're the one of only two or three companies or people that do a I'd say sort of 95% sort of screen accurate tenant costume because you can get the the big thick coat properly made and you have to send them like your um, proper uh, fitting sizes and all the rest of it and they'll make it custom for you and you can buy the screen accurate ties like you said and the shirt and everything. Mm. So every few months I jump on there and think, shall I, shan't I, (laughs) shall I bite the bullet? But it is quite pricey, that's the only thing I think for the. For the coat and the suit, it's probably around 700 quid. Ooh. So the coat's 500 quid, I think, on its own. So, um yeah, you have to sort of go in, sort of all in, committed to it, to spend that yeah. amount of money. So I've been tempted. And I also want to do a Captain Jack cosplay as well. Oh, that'd uh, be
1: good. Yeah. I can imagine you
0: in that, actually, yeah. I thought <laughs> about that a few times. And, you know, yeah. I'm not sure how Captain Jack would look with a beard, but same for the Tenth Doctor, a bearded yeah. Tenth Doctor, I'm not sure. But have you, mate, have you ever thought of...
1: I oh Stick I have yeah because I I I like my Sylvester McCoy jumper you know the question mark one I like hmm. it and it still fits uh, so <laughs> so I have been tempted to go as him and he's quite easy as well because once you got the jumper on and the white shirt you're kind of there really you yeah, just so need it, some sort it? of grey yeah. or checkered trousers. he's not too difficult to do you know hmm. and he's got the cool sort of shoes and stuff and I've got the I've got the official Seventh Doctor scarf you know the Paisley one from oh um, um, yeah. Yep. Lavazzi, Lavazzi, Lavazzi. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've got that. So I've always, I've kind of got his costume all there, really. Um, but it is it is the heat factor. Uh-huh. I just, I can see me wearing it, but just being so uncomfortable and sweltering. And, and also, I've got this sort of OCD thing about, <laughs> like, if I was dressed as the, so say last year when I met Benedict Cumberbatch i wouldn't want to be in a photo shoot with benedict dressed as the seventh doctor it's like no i i I just want to be in something that's sort of neutral you know so i don't know something about being dressed as a certain doctor so or i don't know do you know what i mean i just i I always wanted to relate to the photo that i'm in and so if i was in cosplay i i don't know it just it does sort of limit me in who i'd want to meet so yeah but i have i like i like the idea of sort of being part of that whole cosplay thing I know i don 't know what convention it was last year, but do you remember that great cosplay of um, Alpha Centuri uh, oh, the picture yeah. was doing the rounds on Twitter and stuff like that and you know i 'd love to 'd love to see an alpha Centuri at uh, LFCC. I doubt we will, but you know but yeah i know i 'd love to be part of the whole cosplay thing, but it 's just like the heat factor really puts me off i just sort of I normally just wear a t shirt and i 'm mm-hmm. even going to wear shorts this year, so i 'm going to be very casual this year and mm-hmm. I normally sort of I normally make a sort of half-hearted attempt by wearing, a, you know, one of my Tom Baker scarves or something. You know what I mean? I normally put something <laughs> on to say, hey, I'm a Who yeah. fan. But, but I think this year I'm going to go very minimal because of the heat. I, I probably will wear my scarf, though, because of, um, when I get my photo shoot with Ingrid Oliver, I want to be wearing the multicolored scarf. because awesome. mate. But I'm only going to wear it for the photo shoot. Oh, right, so I'm cool. Yeah, no, I'm literally going to put it on uh-huh. and take it straight off as soon as I come out of shoot. Yeah, I just I just want it in the photo with it, really. Right, uh, I mean, right. it, it would have been nice to have had the McCoy top as well because Osgood did do the whole everything, uh-huh. did But uh, yeah, but no, I'm afraid the cosplaying is going to be to a minimum
0: for me. <laughs> Hold on a minute, shoot. though. Hmm? Hold on a minute. Hold on. I remember watching one of your early videos on the Geeks Handbag channel. Oh, yes. When you... You, you went to a meetup in London and you were cosplaying as Trelden. Oh,
1: second, second Doctor. That looked That's good. That's right. Yeah, yeah, that that was an amazing meetup, that one. So I think I think that may have been one of the first ever cosplay things I did. That was right. incredible because it was just a cosplay convention and everyone met up uh, near the Strand and we all walked across London, across the bridge to the South Bank and mm-hmm. that was an incredible meet. But, I mean, gosh, I felt like I, I sort of made an effort but then I got there and saw what people were wearing and they would just look like the real thing. Like they had Cybermen there. They were just absolutely 100%, mm-hmm. you know, screen accurate Cybermen. They they looked like the real thing and people were dressed as a doctor and they'd got the proper trousers and the proper – and I was just – I thought, felt like, oh, I've just put on a black jacket and put a handkerchief in it and I thought that would be good enough and, you know, but it didn't matter because it was such a good atmosphere. But yeah, yeah. that really sort of brought home how much effort a lot of people put into cosplay and it was incredible yeah gosh I, I was getting video. back I'd forgotten yeah.
0: about that yeah yeah, it's real at. early on yeah. Yeah. so other than getting excited or stressed or a bit of both about LFC so you've been up to anything else buddy
1: uh, no, actually, just, it kind of kind of relates to what we were just saying. I w- had a, a birthday meetup at a Doctor Who location at the weekend, which was really good fun. So um, I, I love Shad Thames, where they cool. filmed Resurrection of the Daleks, the Fifth Doctor story. Because, you know, when you watch that story, it's all damp <laughs> and wet and grey and it was all derelict, you know, which is why they filmed it. You go there now it's all cleaned up it's all nice uh, bright bars and restaurants it's a lovely place to go uh-huh. so i decided real last minute actually that i was like i know uh, we'd i'd been out for the westminster convention like 2 weeks before and you know we'd had such a good time down the pub i was just sat at home and i i was like I need to see those guys again. I need to have a meet-up. It's my birthday next week. I'm going to organize it at a doctoral location. It was just really like <laughs> spontaneous loss. So I managed to get most of the people together. Unfortunately, you couldn't make it because you were out house hunting and stuff, but it was a, a great meet-up and I just love being on that location. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's cool. Something yeah. about it. But tying it into what you were just <laughs> saying, I really, really wanted to wear my fifth Doctor jumper. It's the, again, it's the official oh, Levanse right. one. I I've never wore, I never wear it. I like yeah. I bought it. It's been hanging in the wardrobe. I've been waiting for the perfect time. And I was thinking, yeah, this is it. This is the perfect <laughs> time to wear it. Uh, you know, on location. I thought I'll get a picture of me in front of Tower Bridge wearing it, just where the Tardis landed. Brilliant. And I it was hanging on the door till the to the morning when I left. And I looked at it and I just thought, I'm gonna I'm gonna boil if I wear that. I'm just literally because it was so hot. <laughs> So I didn't do it and I, I just kept looking at it, hanging up thinking, Go on man, do it, get it on, get it on. But I, I every time I thought about being on the tube wearing it or or whatever, I just knew that, you know. And to be fair, I made the right decision. It was baking. Oh yeah, you yeah. I would have no, I would have absolutely been it would have destroyed me. But, uh-huh. um, but yeah, I did, I did have it hanging on the door ready to wear. So, so that's all I've really done, really. just I know you've been to that location before. It's a cool place to go. It's cool down there. Um, yeah, yeah, we, yeah. Had good, we had a good time. So
0: yeah, it was all good. Good stuff. Yeah. I haven't really been
1: yeah. doing anything else. I've even missed um, the McCoy years on Twitch, which I'm really gutted about. I don't yeah. know why. It's just been a sort of busy week and I haven't had Twitch on much this week, but it's they've finished, I assume, now.
0: It's all uh, all, it's all
1: done, dusted on Twitch. I think been
0: and gone, mate. Yeah, yeah. Which is sad, but yeah, it's um, it's been a very successful thing, though. I would say, um, the uh, the whole sort of concept. I remember when they first announced it, the entire uh, sort of concept, if you like, of um, of uh, is that's not anything new. You know, sort of communal watching um, of stuff, but it was the fact that it was all classic doctor who that seemed mm. sort of not out of place, but a bit kind of, okay, that's very brave, you know? Um, but, uh, no, it's, I, I think it's been a great success. The, um, getting a uh, sort of lots of people chatting about who and, mm. um, you know, watching, um, classic doctor who, but uh, potentially many people for the first time. Yeah. So that's really cool. And, uh, yeah, I just think it's been a great a great thing to have happened. And um I just wonder what they're gonna do next if they're gonna do mm-hmm. potentially watching everything from Rose onwards in the sort of run up to the, the new that series. That be starting. cool. Yeah. That might be cool. Um but yeah, I, I've only seen a couple of them, I only watched a couple of the McCoy mm. uh ones. But um no, I thought that was a great thing. That who on Twitch, yeah.
1: Oh, me too. Man. I mean, I, I remember when you first read it out on the news uh, section of the podcast and I was like, I'd never heard of Twitch. It's like, what? what's this? Mm-hmm. You know, and you said at the time it's a real unlikely pa- platform for Classic Who. So it's brilliant that it's been so popular. And I, I mean, I, you know, when I've sat watching it myself, I've been looking through the comments and clearly a lot of those people were watching certain stories for the first mm-hmm. time. Because there were some people saying, Oi, oi, no spoilers, I don't want to know. And I was thinking, so this is really introducing new people Mm -hmm. to stories they won't have seen. And um, you could tell from a lot of the comments as well how much they were enjoying it. So, yeah, absolutely. I I just, yeah, I just think it's great. And I'm glad it's been a success. I think it's probably taken them by surprise and it's Mm -hmm. good to... Good to let the BBC know. Oh, right, okay, well,
0: classic who? People like it, do they? You know, it's, it's good, isn't it? <laughs> it is cool, and we yeah. had the uh, the whole London 1965 thing that oh, yeah, became great, a, actually. A tra- yeah, it's really cool, isn't it? And yeah, that's yeah. Uh, and that was born out of fans, you know, loving Hartnell and loving that mm. particular era and that that thing. So, yeah, very very cool. Yeah, very cool. Uh, otherwise, mate, I think we've been relatively quiet.
1: Yeah. yeah, you've just been just been dosing up on man flu yeah.
0: pills, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> or
1: whatever, lem sips.
0: Indeed, yeah. and Funny on that teas. note, let's do some news. <laughs> Escape rooms. Yes. Now then, you heard of this before? No, this is
1: going to be another one of those things where I'm just an old, (laughs) out-of-touch, fogey. Yeah, go on, tell me, what are these? Because I'm really intrigued by this bit of news. I asked my partner this morning, what are escape rooms? (laughs) I I don't know what they are, so tell me, what's it about?
0: So, escape rooms are uh, a a sort of social event or a work team-building event thing. They sort of split these into two. Uh, It's run by a company called Escape Hunt, And what happens is, 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 uh, you go into a themed uh, room and they have them in sort of various cities around Europe. Um, And there's loads in the UK, there's about seven or eight different cities that they do these in. Yeah. And um, what will happen is, I can't remember how many people go into a room, but essentially they'll go into a room and you'll hear... Oh, sorry, you'll get a brief about what you need to do. So um, as an example, um, there's an escape room called Our Finest Hour. And what that is, um, you have, I think it's at least two people. So it's two to six people in this particular room. Mm-hmm. And uh, just to give you, this is only an example. So um, the, the blurb for the escape room, Our Finest Hour, is um, you step into 1942 when the world is at war. Uh, The Nazis have developed a series of devastating new superweapons that could obliterate Britain. Um, As MI6 top agents, you've been chosen to find and destroy these fiendish inventions before they destroy us. So the latest news from HQ is that the superweapons are primed and ready, so you have exactly one hour to discover their location and destroy them and save Britain. So... What, so you get shoved into a room and then you have an objective and, the, 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 and you achieve that objective by working together as a team to sort right. of solve clues and you're, you have to sort of solve the mission or, you know, as a metaphor, escape from the room within mm. a certain time frame. And like I said, there are different themes. So you've got, there's a, there's a samurai one it's set in ancient Japan. There's a, this um, finest hour one. There's a couple more. Um, so what BBC Studios have done is they've teamed up with Escape Hunt and they're doing a Doctor Who escape room. Okay. And no, there are no details at the moment. The only thing that we know about it... Um, uh, so Escape Hunt have said uh, they're very excited to announce that in partnership with BBC Studios, they'll be launching the Doctor Who-themed live escape games at Escape Hunt sites across the UK. Uh, the awesome games will be able to play um, in Bristol from December this year and then they'll roll it out to other sites uh, early 2019 Um, and you can sign up to receive an email so on the website escapehunt.com slash doctor who you can sign up to the mailing list and get an email when they first announce tickets to go on sale Um, so essentially and you can see why they do it for team building for companies as well because it gets Mm. people to work together and solve clues and solve stuff in order to you know get it done within the time frame and we yeah. have a little bit of blurb as well from so the, the, uh, uh, Matt Way, who works at BBC Studios, have said, uh, it's been a long-term ambition of the team to bring Doctor Who-themed escape rooms to the public. Our main role is to continually extend the fans' enjoyment of the brand. And so to be announcing six new live entertainment games across the country uh, is something really exciting. And then Richard Harpham, who's the CEO of Escape Hunt, says, uh, following the success of our original games, we are thrilled to be partnered with BBC Studios. Uh, going to an escape hunt is all about stepping into and experiencing new ways or new worlds, so strength in the science fiction genre is key to our strategy. Uh, he goes on to say that uh, Doctor Who represents the very best in British uh, action adventure and has a loyal and dedicated fan base that spans generations. We look forward to bringing the show to life for them in its first ever live escape game experience across the UK. So does this Mm. sound like your cup of tea mate? Sound like something you want to you want to do i don't
1: know it's it's certainly intriguing i mean this is i assume this is something that's been going on for a while yeah. this genre yeah. of escape rooms. so yeah i don't know but yeah it sounds fascinating mate it sounds really good i mean they're, they're talking about opening up in birmingham leeds oxford and reading so it's good that you know there well. should be sort of lots of venues that people can get to so um yeah i don't know we'll get maybe we should sign up as a team because i don't know it does sound interesting i don't i, I mean is there like going to be props in the room do you think is it going to be an interact i just don't know i can't quite work out exactly what it is but it sounds intriguing
0: (laughs) yeah that's exactly it so um when you when you go into a room so there's three very easy steps that escape hunt tell you so step one is step into a new world step number two is get locked in and clued up and then step number three is beat the clock and break out so, oh, cool. so when you go into, it, don't get me wrong, when they say escape room, it's not like a tiny little room where it's claustrophobic. You're in like yeah. a fairly decent, you know, a like a room. A panic room. <laughs> um, so yeah, I would envisage that in the Doctor Who themed room, there will be plenty of props and it will be decked out to, you know, it's, so it's very Doctor Who-y mm. in terms of its feel and everything like that. And uh, so that's basically, you all get thrown into a room and then you have an objective of some kind. That, they're the details we haven't got yet. So yeah. um, I'll tell you what it might be like. You know when we've been to the Doctor Who experience in the past? Yeah. And you know the first part of the experience before you have the free time to walk around? You've got like this interactive story.
1: I know exactly what you mean, yeah. yeah. So it's yeah. like
0: that, but instead of going to sort of walking through to different rooms... Um, it's kind of like that, but you're not sort of there's no hand holding, so there isn't a big screen with the doctor mm. with a pre recorded part. It's kind of like that, you know, yeah. there, there's a, a, a bespoke storyline that's been written, and it's up to you to sort of solve the clues to, to escape within the time frame. I hope I'm explaining that well enough, but
1: no, yeah, yeah it, make, it does make sense, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's certainly intriguing, mate, yeah. So it's really cool.
0: So, um, that's mm. going to be coming. So, the first one is in Bristol at the end of this year. Mm. and then they're going to open it up in the other ones. Where did you say Leeds, Oxford, Reading, and Birmingham? Birmingham, yeah. In 2019. So it sounds really cool. So jump over to com forward slash Doctor Who, get your name down on the mailing list, and then when they open up tickets, you can jump on them and do the thing. Mm.
1: Sign us up. Sign us up now. Right, let's talk San Diego Comic-Con news, mate, because... obviously when we recorded last week it was all about to kick off uh-huh. and um and so it all did so the, we had a doctor who panel over there with uh, Jody Whitaker, Tosin Cole, Mandip Gill, Chris Chibbers and uh, executive producer Matt Strevens isn't it Stravens, Stravens so they did yeah. their San Diego Comic-Con panel over there and um the BBC and this is what I was pleased about uploaded the entire thing so unedited so because i thought they might just show little you know, uh, tidbits from it and stuff like Ooh. that. But they uploaded the whole panel. Um, and I watched this the other night, actually, the whole thing, all the way through. Um, and it was really good. Um, they, I mean, they start off a bit shaky, as you can imagine. They sort of come out and they're all a little <laughs> bit nervous. But once they got into the panel, um, you know, they, they, they came across really well, actually. Ooh. And one thing I got from watching it was um, you can see a great chemistry already. Between uh, Jody and you know, and Tosin and Mandip, there's they were sort of joking around uh, between each other, and it was very natural. Do you know what I mean you could just see that they mm. seemed to get on very well, and if that's the sort of thing you're going to get on screen, then I think we're, you know that's it's going to make for really good television. The the one the other thing I got from it was that they were scared to death. They were going to give something away. Like Jodie was constantly (laughs) looking at Chris Chibnall. Like every time she said anything, she's sort of looking at him as if to say, "Am I? I, I'm not saying too much, am I?" And and Mm -hmm. all this sort of stuff. They were so guarded um, uh, by what they were saying. But it was it was a good panel. I think it went down really really well. Uh, Have you watched the whole thing, mate? Have you got to see? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What did you think from it? What did you get from it?
0: Yeah. So I thought it was really good, actually. I thought it was very, very good. And I've some notes that I that I put down as a result, or after watching that. Um, so the first note that I've got here, which mirrors what you've said, is uh, there was just fantastic chemistry between mm. all of them. Not just Jodie and, um, and the companions, but from Chibbers and it Matt Strevens, the executive yeah. producer. All of them just seem like they're having an absolute ball. Mm. making the show at the minute. And they're having a great... It it sounds to me like even when they're filming the serious bits of the show, they're all just larking about and having a good laugh, mostly down to Bradley Walsh by the sound of it. It sounds like... Yeah,
1: that's right. He sadly couldn't be there, could he?
0: Yeah, but from what they, from what they told us about him, it's mm. like he's a bit of a practical joker and doesn't take anything seriously. So the chemistry between all of them looks really, really good. Yeah. Um, the other thing was... Um, uh, yep, so the cast and crew I've put down, uh, they, uh, all the cast and crew, and they mentioned this a few times as well, and in the back of my mind, I feel like this was slightly on purpose as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and th- there was at least a couple of times where Jody and Chris Chibnall said that the, the crew, and they specified it, and they said a couple of times that the crew back in Cardiff were absolutely amazing people and mm. they're very passionate and you know very talented and they're all working hard to make sure the show is what it can be because in my head I thought right okay they're kind of almost reinforcing the fact that yes doctor who is still being made in Cardiff in Wales by those same people because there were some there was some talk wasn't there before we got more details about um I think even before Jodie was announced and then shortly afterwards there was a, a lot of chatter around whether they were going to still make Doctor Who in Cardiff. That's right. Yeah, or, they were talking Manchester was rumoured, wasn't it? And yeah. yeah, where whether they were going to move it because a lot of things have moved to Manchester that the BBC mm. um, are doing. So there was a lot of chatter around that. So I think this was almost a reinforcement to say that you know Doctor Who is very still much at home in Cardiff and. Yeah, The crew in Cardiff and the amazing crew back in Cardiff and all that stuff. So I, I picked up on that a couple of times. Um, another few little th- small things that I picked out that Chibbers mentioned was that um, a lot of people have said about how new and fresh the show is going to be. And Chris Chibnall said that he wanted there to be absolutely no barrier to entry for this new series. Yes. So he wanted brand new fans to be able to watch it and not get bogged down with what has become before. So I think a good way that he explained it was, you know, the the show is still very much Doctor Who and it's very much, you know, the Doctor is still the Doctor and there's that thread that runs through the show that's very familiar, but we're going to focus a lot more on new treats and less on old stuff returning. That's the way he put it. And uh, so I think this is going to be a real kind of big reset in a way. Mm. And that was reinforced by the fact that, and I know this is no sort of solid confirmation, but he did go on to say a bit later that they've got two weeks left of shooting and we still haven't had any Daleks yet. That's right. So did you hear about this as well? Cause there was some mm. Twitter accounts and some other people saying that the Daleks have confirmed that they're not making an appearance in series 11, but that's not a, Nobody has actually said that, you know, Chibbers or the BBC. If no one has actually said, Mm. yes, you're correct, you know, no Daleks this season, it's just a bit elusive at the minute. It just says, you know, we've got a couple of weeks left and we haven't had any Daleks yet. So we have got the sort of unwritten rule and this kind of mythical contract that the Terry Nation estate has got with the BBC Mm. that every episode or every series has to feature... Daleks in some way shape or form but yeah who's to say that you know because nobody really knows what that contract
1: yeah and I don't entails. know where whether yeah. I always wanted to hear them off either confirm or deny it you know I, I, I well, wish well. I'd sort of thought to ask him that and when we've been in sort of you know Q&A's with him and stuff because I don't know where that come from but it's kind of been taken as a given isn't it that it's Uh true and it and i think it probably is true but i've just never had it confirmed that that's true that the terranation state you know had that contract with the bbc it could be that it's expired i
0: was gonna say it could be yeah
1: yeah so um i wouldn't rule out seeing the daleks but i'll be sort of happy if we don't i I think they need a rest. I think uh-huh. they need to sort of come back bigger and badder than ever. But I reckon a series without one would be quite welcome, actually. Um, oh, I agree. I wouldn't yeah. mind if they come back for Christmas. I'll be honest with you. If we had a series without them, and then they were the sort of Christmas special draw, I'd, I wouldn't mind that. I'd be quite happy with that. But yeah. I would like a series without them, to be mm-hmm. honest with you. Yeah. yeah, you've
0: kind of read in my mind a little bit here because uh, um, the two things that I thought were, you know, it has that contract if there is such a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, has that expired or have the BBC kind of bought that contract out if that makes sense they might have gone yeah. to, that, to the Termination and State and said look we don't want any Daleks but we understand there's this in place how much would it be to you know buy this contract out so we don't have to honour it anymore so there, there could be sort of ways and means of them getting around that but the other thing I thought was quite often the Christmas special when you're looking at it in chronological order on things like wikipedia and other like tardis wiki and stuff like that the christmas special often gets bundled in with that current series i know that they've released them separately on on discs yeah i know from what you mean yeah. Um, yeah so they could get around it that way if they're going to put it in the christmas special they could say well technically on paper the christmas special is actually part of series 11 mm. so they could get away you know they could get away with not having the daleks in the 10 episodes of the actual series proper But then, when it comes to Christmas, they might just sort of shoehorn them in, and Mm. and technically, sort of they're not breaking anything, any legal agreements, because the Christmas special might be classed as the series eleven Crimbo special. So,
1: Mm. I mean, if they gave, imagine that though, imagine because the Crimbo specials have been so weak um, over the last few years. But if they gave us a really, you know, if we didn't see the Daleks for this series, Mm -hmm. and then they give us a really good Dalek story for Christmas you know, give us, if I think we got a decent story with them, I mm. think we'd sort of forgive them for coming back so soon. I think it'd be good, especially at Christmas. You can sort of, you can forgive it. Cause yeah. It's a special, it's a treat. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think they need a rest. I think the Cybermen definitely need a rest. They've been so overused. I think um, during mm. Moffitt's run, they just kept popping up all the time, even as wooden Cybermen, you know, they've been well overdone. But, but the thought of having a series of, brand new monsters I think is really exciting yes you know yeah. we've got a whole new load of monsters to get to know and love and hate and that that's that's very exciting I think
0: absolutely mate and I yeah. think they end Chris especially Chris Chibnall he really emphasized that so he he did say a few times look um this, this is about he did say that there's going to be a lot of new characters that you're going to like and love and there's going to be a lot of new guest characters for you to for you to love. Um, and a lot of new monsters as well. So he, he did emphasize that a couple of times. Is I, I think what yeah. they're trying—the point they're trying to make—is that, Yes, we understand that there are big, famous monsters within Who, like Cybermen and Daleks. But look, just let, let's just let them rest for a bit, because we've got exciting new stories and new monsters to show you. Yeah. Um, so he did emphasize that, that, that. Let's not concentrate on everything that we've seen, which is all amazing. But let's let's give you something new and fresh for you to get excited and, and fall in love with. And, uh, and he also mentioned as well, didn't they? because they touched on spoilers and the leak. Yes. And it's really good to hear Chibbers just not, sort of sticking by his guns, if you like, mm. you know, and still re, really reinforce And Jodie did this as well. She mentioned a couple of times in the panel that um, they really want the whole world to experience Doctor Who at the same time. Yes, which is yeah. really cool. They said, "Look, it's not like because I think uh, the the girl that was running the panel, her name escapes me, but she did say, you know, why have you got why have you chosen to keep so much locked away and a lot of secrecy mm-hmm. because in the past, you know, we've seen a lot, you know, trailers and everything like that." And they did say, "Look, look, we want everybody to experience Doctor Who at the same time and and I think um, one of them said, I think it might have been Chibbers, But they they said, it would be a bit like going to the cinema and when you have sat down to watch a film, you see the ending at the beginning. Yeah. You know, it's not going to be very much fun for you because by the time you get to the end of the film, you're like, oh, well, I've already seen that. It's not, you know. Mm. So uh, you can understand what they're saying. And I really love that Chibbers has stuck to his guns and he hasn't caved. Because he, he must have got so many requests by... Many different media outlets to say, Look, we want another trailer, we want a teaser, we want this information, give us more stuff. And he's like, No, nope, you're not having anything. You know, it's all on lockdown. You'll all get to see it at the same time. Go away, you know, go away sort of thing. But yeah, I, I really like that it's, um, their attitude hasn't changed from when they first took over the show. So, which also gets me thinking that they won't do one of these because in the past they've always done this sort of premiere. Somewhere in Cardiff, like two weeks oh, before yeah. it goes out. True, yeah. And that always results in the moth, you know, trying his best, saying to fans, look, please try and keep it to yourselves. Mm. But it, inevitably, it never happens. The majority of fans do, but then there's always a few that jump on Twitter straight away and say, yes, this has just happened. This has just happened, mm. you know. So I can imagine that Chibnan has also put a stop to that. He's like, no, we're not having any premieres in cinemas, we're not doing any of that stuff he's really keen on everybody seeing it together so
1: Do you know i i hadn't thought about that at all actually mate that's a very good point cuz yeah i mean i I think that's a good thing. You know, I quite like the sort of cinema premieres. It's really great to go and watch Dr. Who in the cinema with other fans, but no, it does. I've always, it is a bit strange having sort of this premiere a week or two before it's on the TV. And then I, I think actually it's a good thing if he has not on the head, I really hope he has actually, just like mm-hmm. you said, it we all watch it together. A bit like when Dr. Who came back in 2005, you know, Rose hit the screen, all the Dr. Who fans are watching it new and old mm-hmm. together discover in this this show so yeah i really hope he has done that Mm -hmm. um the other thing was as well talking of not giving too much away we did get the new proper trailer at sdcc which we assumed we would Mm -hmm. um i was beginning to wonder if we were going to get that clip that was leaked uh, a while back but it turns out no we got a, a proper trailer um a good trailer, I thought, but it gave absolutely nothing away. It, uh, mm-hmm. I think even the girl who was who was hosting the panel, who actually I thought was quite good, mm-hmm. um, even she said though, didn't she? Well, you're not showing us much, <laughs> <laughs> you know. And so she said it in a way that you know just sort of said, "Yeah, great trailer, but you know what can we expect? Because it doesn't mm-hmm. show any monsters or or anything. It basically just um, gives us little snapshots of." Mm-hmm. Our TARDIS team, and and like you get an idea of the visuals, but there's nothing. Yeah, I mean, I I, I like the trailer, uh, but it gave nothing away at all, did it? It was a uh, yeah, yeah. It was. A, what did you think of the trailer? Because I wasn't impressed with the teaser, as you know. But what do you think of the actual trailer?
0: Uh, yeah, I thought it was uh, again. That, that's by design, you know. That's that's Chip. That's the way
1: he wants it. Exactly.
0: Yeah? yeah, and he's really got a strong hold on that because there are times where, and this happens in both movies and television where you've got the creative team who are actually putting it together. So you've got the director, the producers and so on. And they might have in their heads an idea of how they want something to go out in the media. But then you have the overriding studio who have said, no, nope, you know, it happens more in movies, to be honest, where mm. the director's like, you know, I'm going to put a trailer together and then the executives at the studio level, they'll be like, no, no, we, we want a proper trailer and we want it out here and we want to do that. And they're at the mercy of but I, th- I think the BBC executives have kind of just given Chibber's free reign to just be like. It
1: seems like it, doesn't it? I was going to yeah. say that because um, I-, I like the fact they're trusting him to do it his own way. Because mm-hmm. I might be wrong saying this, but I seem to remember that when the the thing about John Sims' master coming back was announced, I'm pretty sure the mothball said. Yeah, well, the BBC wanted it, wanted it. And now, you know, I'm I'm sure he blamed the BBC for Mm -hmm. it. I I, I might be wrong, but
2: i does stick in my head
1: in an interview. He's like, well, the BBC wanted it out there. So, so it's good that uh, because I'm sure the BBC would have probably if they had been put in the trailer or whatever, they probably would have wanted a few monsters in there or something. Like even if it's just a quick snapshot Mm -hmm. of what was that? you know, like a claw or anything, you know, we didn't see any monsters, I don't think. So they probably would have wanted something a bit more in there, but clearly Chibis has said, no, this is... This is the trailer, I, you know, I don't know, I'm just assuming here, but there is very yeah. little in that trailer, and I would, would have thought the BBC at some level probably would have liked a little bit more, but they're <laughs> trusting that Chibis knows what he's doing, so it does seem like he's running his own ship, which is, you know, he's great, really. He's doing it his way, isn't he?
0: Yeah, and <laughs> rightly so as well, and I imagine that that's maybe one of the stipulations when he took the job. He, I, I imagine he said, look, I've got a vision the way that I want Doctor Who to be made and and viewed by people. And you've got to just let me do that or you're going to have to find... uh, I'm just guessing that that's... Yeah. yeah. It's like you either, you know, you want me to do it and if that's the case, great, let me do it the way I'm going to do it. Or you either half want me to do it and if that's the case, I'm not interested get some, you know. And it really does feel like that. It feels like... Not conversations that in, in a harsh way, like, oh my God, that was a bit of a tasty meeting. You know, I thought it was going to kick off. I don't mean like that, but I imagine he would have been very clear from the beginning. I think I remember you him know.
1: saying in an interview something along the lines of, I went in with this set idea and plan and didn't think they'd go for it. And they were like, yeah great mm-hmm. uh, i'm pretty sure he said something along those lines in an interview back when he got the job didn't he he was like right right i yeah. got my sort of vision of what i wanted to do with the series like the you know there's all this talk of it being one sort of long story arc and all that. and he said I, you know i did not think they'd go for it but they they did and yeah so i don't know it's good it's, it's good. good that he's going to do
2: that yeah
0: yeah uh, but overall i thought the trailer was good i mean it's uh yeah. it does give us a little bit more of uh I mean, the thing that I liked most about it was just how beautiful it looks because they did mention, mm. um, albeit very briefly, about the new cameras they were using and the new lenses and stuff. And it does look, I mean, we've said it before about some of the Matt Smith episodes, that they really upped the quality. Mm. You know, um, I think Series 6, they really upped the quality. and like, a big budget. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think this has done it you know, and even a step further. Because it just looks so good. I, I tell you, I'm
1: glad you've said that because that's reminded me of the other thing that I really liked um, in, the, in the panel was when Chibbers was talking about the budget and working with CGI and stuff. And he said that there, there's obviously CGI in it, but he said they've also tried to do a lot more practical effects mm-hmm. this year because he said, you know, he said CGI is all really good, but it often looks very clean. And you can sort of, tell, so he said, so we've yeah. tried to do as much with practical stuff as CGI. And I really like that because I've said this a lot, you know, whenever I go and see big budget films now, like, you know, uh, you know, like the Avengers and stuff like that. Yeah, the CGI is great, but we, we are so used to it now that it doesn't have that realness. It, <laughs> we're sat there thinking, well, that's CGI. I know how they did that. Uh, oh, they've used wires for that bit because we know how things work. So it's really good, I think, that they're, I always think, and I think films will go this way as well. I think films will go back to more basics. I mean, the, the last Star Wars film as well, if I'm thinking right, did that, didn't it? Like they used a Yoda puppet rather than CGI in. in um, what's the last Star Wars film? The forget Last it. Jedi. That's the one. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, I think films will slowly go back to using real props more than relying so heavily on CGI. And I mm-hmm. I, I think that's a good thing because, yeah, I, just, I think CGI can date very quickly. You know, um, yes. so yeah, yeah, I was really pleased to hear the you know Chibnall saying that that they were sort of going to go more down that sort of route rather than relying so heavily on CGI.
0: Yeah, it was cool, and he did actually yeah. mention J.J. Abrams and uh, Christopher Nolan, like these filmmakers, because that was one of the things that a lot of Star Wars fans wanted when Star Wars was coming back with The Force Awakens. They said, "Look, the prequels were just over the top." Oh, so it
1: was all it was, green
0: screen. Yeah. It was terrible. Yeah, and J.J. Abrams actually said, you know, the thing about Star Wars is the practical effects are so good. You mm. know, and it's tactile and you can see it and the light reacts properly. and Yeah. So, the, like you said, it's good that he mentioned that stuff because it gives you a little bit of confidence that, you know, they're, they're sort of nailing the look and feel. That Because mm. there have been some episodes, even as, as late as sort of Capaldi's era, and you and I have reviewed them and we're thinking, what the hell are they doing with the, yeah. the CG? Yeah. It
1: just looks we've awful. They said, haven't they, a few times? Some yeah. of the CG was really ropey. And some of it was very good, but some of it was <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, very ropey. Um we also got to see the new Sonic, which we should quickly yeah. talk about because yeah. um it's very different. Uh it's very <laughs> organic looking. Mm-hmm. Um What do you reckon to it?
0: Yeah, it's um it's definitely very different uh to everything we've seen before. It sort of loses the very mechanical uh sort of steampunky uh contraption that we've seen previous to this and like yeah. you said it's very organic and uh they try to to dig a little bit deeper in, didn't they in the panel as to yeah what it's made of and how jody got to it and uh Chivers did say you know there's a very specific way that jody gets to That's make right. this and they left it there they didn't um They didn't uh, give us any more info on that, but in Mm. terms of how it looks and everything, um, yeah, it's very different. I mean, I I think I like it. I I think it Mm. looks pretty cool. I mean, it's it's one of those things where it's going to be very much a case of. I don't think it's marmite. I don't think you love it or hate it. I think it's one of those slow burners. It's going to grow on people, and yeah. What do you think?
1: You've hit the nail on the head because I when they first because I saw the you know when the we had that leak recently one of the pictures that was floating around everywhere and I couldn't avoid it was a picture of the new Sonic and I mm-hmm. thought oh that can't be it that can't be the new Sonic and then obviously it's unveiled and it is and I was like I I really wasn't taken with it at all. It is slowly growing on me. Mm-hmm. I, I cause so to cut a long story short, I hated it when I first saw it. I thought that is hideous. <laughs> that is horrible that's not a Sonic that's what is that? And I don't know. The more I look at it, um, the more intrigued I am about how she acquires it, because I think she's going to make it from what I clips. And, and uh-huh. I don't know. It looks like she's going gonna, gonna to be sort of very organic, this Sonic. And then there's something about when it lights up. I don't know. I'm slowly coming round to it. Uh-huh. Um, and I think I'm going to love it by the time we see it on screen. But it is a slow burner, mate. I didn't like it at all when they first yeah. unveiled uh-huh. it. But I'm I'm coming round to it. I really am. Yeah.
0: There was also something interesting because Jodie had one of the toys. Um. So they're releasing two versions of this Sonic, which we'll come on to in a little while. But she yeah. had the US version actually there on the table and she got it out from under her card at one point. And what's interesting, and I'm not sure if this is something to protect the show, but... When she pressed the button, it's making exactly the same sonic sounds as I the previous sonic. I noticed that. Did, did you notice yeah. that?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah. That's yeah, yeah, oh. uh, exactly what I thought. It's making the sort of Tenant Smith yes. noise, whatever. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. making the old sonic sound. Because I remember thinking the same. I was thinking, is it actually going to have that sound effect? Because I assume it'll have a new sound mm-hmm. effect.
0: So I don't know. Hmm. Intriguing. Even very Intriguing. Um, but yes, I say I'd say sort of overall, I think I like it, the trailer and the Sonic. I mean, it's uh, it's all good. And then we had some other little bits that Jodie popped up on. We had this really cool little clip at the beginning of the panel where you show her. Oh, I loved that. And that was really cool. when she's running late for Comic Con, and yeah, she assumes that she can just jump into her Tardis and off she goes. But when she gets there, there's a little sign hanging on the door. It says "Not for personal use," and she sort of rolls her eyes like, "Oh, here we go." So then you see a plane, and she's. Legging through San Diego, and that was really cool. Did you? Think that she was cool?
1: asked the cosplayer for the the directions, and I loved it. Yeah. It was fun, and it just we got to see sort of Jodie. Just that she is. I think she is going to be a fun doctor. You mm-hmm. know. Um, just going by these little bits and bobs that were coming through now. I thought it was a lovely idea as well, Mm -hmm. just such a simple, and just the sweeping shot of the TARDIS, and we finally got to see it on screen, and I was like, (laughs) oh, it's chunky, and it's quite dark, and I'm loving it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I love that intro, mate. I thought it was
0: brilliant. Um, Very cool. Yeah. And then she also popped up at something else during the Comic-Con as well. Mm -hmm. So um, there's a really popular sort of female sci-fi geek fashion brand called Her Universe. And this company makes, um, I think they do make a few male um, things, but it's predominantly a female um, cosplay and geek fashion label. And um, for the past few years, they've done a a catwalk sort of fashion uh, show at Comic-Con. And who turns up at this year? You know, this year's one, Jodie Whittaker. She sort of pops down uh, the ramp, the catwalk, with the hood up and then she puts the hood down. Everyone goes mad and she's got the proper doctor's costume on and she's got the new Sonic and stuff. And that was a really great, great surprise. Nice. She wasn't announced for, for anybody before the show. Mm. So yeah. very, very cool.
1: She did. She, she literally rocked the catwalk, didn't she? And yeah. she was rock, you know, yeah. rocking the hood, the costume, everything. Yeah. I, I saw that bit uh, quite late on actually, but yeah, it's a real cool little, little thing to do, little inclusion of her. That's brilliant. Yeah.
0: Very cool yes um so you could you could say that doctor who was a very very large element a very sort of big part of comic on this year mm. purely because everything's brand new and everybody was so desperate to see jody and there were people that were camping out a few nights before the panel which is crazy and yeah um crazy in a good way you know you know us fans <laughs> you mm. know we'll go to lengths to um to see uh, this stuff so it was very very cool and i also saw a clip of john Barrowman. um uh, dressed up in a TARDIS dress and white high heels, and oh, was sing- that from this? Singing his lungs out at something. Oh, right. I, don't know. Oh, I didn't realize it was from this. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah. So overall, I would say that Comic Con's been a big success for Doctor Who. Hmm. It was. Uh, I think it did exactly what it needed to do. It expanded on the previous teaser from the World Cup. It didn't give away anything, which is good. Mm. Um, we got to meet the new cast in a bit more detail. The new companions look, look really good, by the way. Yeah, um, yeah. Those guys, Chibbers, you know, stamping his authority a bit more. Mm-hmm. Matt Strevens, just backing him up by the look of it. So overall, it was really cool. I thought it was a great panel, great Comic-Con for Doctor Who. And then we got a load of merch out of it as well that we, we spoke about on last week's show. But uh, yeah. some good stuff. I thought it was a great success.
1: For who? Yeah, my my overall feeling after watching it was just how excited I was to see them hit hit our screens. I was just like, because it's the first time I've seen Tosin um, and sorry, what's the uh, girl's name? Uh, uh, Mandip. Mandip I, yep. I keep wanting to call her Yasmin. I've no idea why. Yeah, Tosin and, and Mandip. It's the first time I've got to sort of hear them speak as well. So it's really good to sort of get, get a bit more from them. And, and as I said, just Jody, just oozes personality and uh, you know the whole time I was watching it, I just thought she just seems funny she's really quick witted she mm-hmm. seems to be interacting brilliantly with you know toes and Mandit. I just genuinely when I finished watching it, it was just like I can't wait can't wait for these guys it, really, mm-hmm. it it did like you said it did what it needed to do it got me very excited for the for series 11
0: yeah. yes and I think the majority of us are, are bought into Chipper's way of doing things as well you know, he really seems to know what he's doing. He's got his his vision is there in his head. He's got a goal in sight, and he's really sticking true to all the stuff that he said he was going to do when he took the job. So, yeah, that that gives a lot of confidence out, I think, to everybody. So, and I'm totally
1: good. totally sold on Jodie as the Doctor oh, as well. Course. I mean, I, I was anyway. But just see, the more I see of the more I just want more. Mm-hmm. You know, like thirteenth Doctor. I just yeah, totally just can't wait. Actually,
0: yeah. We've bought our ticket to the Jody show. Now we're just waiting on... <laughs> just waiting for it to start. Waiting for it to happen, yeah. Yeah. So that was uh, what happened at Comic-Con already. I think there was another... Uh, there were some other bits that happened as well. There were some other bits and pieces which we will we might talk about next week. But overall, the main thing was the panel and the trailer and the Sonic reveal. But overall, good
1: stuff. Yeah, very good stuff.
0: Should we get our metal friend in and rattle through some merch?
1: Yes, let's do it.
0: Merch Corner. Merch Corner. Merch Corner. I don't know whether to be impressed or disgusted. It's a bit rubbish, but it's pretty. It's very pretty. You might be happy about this first bit. You might not be happy. I might be. I might not. You might not. I don't know. (laughs) Um, uh, But subscribers to Doctor Who magazine... Uh, we'll be getting a slightly different version through the letterbox. Mm. Um, I think it's starting with the next one, 528, the one that's it out is. next. Yeah, so Doctor Who Magazine have said that for subscribers, you're going to be getting the, the free or the textless or the clear, whichever way you want to call it, cover. And I've had a similar thing, I um. Uh, I subscribed to, a, or I used to subscribe to, a magazine up until recently called Retro Gamer Magazine, and they did a, a similar thing where uh, they were doing just standard covers for everybody. But then I think two or three issues ago, I got one the one through the door, and I thought, "Wow, well, that looks really different." Is this like a special edition or anything? But I found out they were doing these sort of alternate covers that had no text on the front and a slightly different design. But for Doctor Who, they're doing the same picture that everyone would get as well in the shops. But it's going to be completely clear of all text Mm. and everything. So I imagine it's just going to be the logo and the main image that they've chosen for the cover. Yes. Yeah. Mm. So I don't subscribe to Who magazine. I just pick it up now and then. But you do... So, how do you mm. feel about this one? Um, I don't.
1: I'll be honest with you. I don't know how I feel about this because when they first announced it, I didn't want it. I was like, no, I don't. I just want the one that's in the shop. I don't want it. Um, I don't want. But it. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's just it's something a bit annoying about it. I think that my main issue is they haven't given people the choice. So if you're a subscriber, you you get this or you lump it or you unsubscribe. So there's no choice. You are getting subscribers are getting the clear cover whether they want it or not i think that's my biggest issue but right. i don't i just can't decide on this one a bit like the sonic because the, the for example the issue that's coming out tomorrow or yesterday if you're listening to this when the podcast go out the cover's beautiful it's a it's a brand new shot of jody it, it's a fantastic cover so i'll be getting that but without all the text and that's going to look fantastic but I also kind of want the proper version with all the tagline. I don't know. I just don't know how I feel about it. <laughs> Part of me is thinking, uh, uh, knowing what I'm like, and I know a lot. I know I'm not going to be alone in this. I think a lot of people are going to end up buying two copies because they'll want. <laughs> so if you get like a particularly nice cover like this one, I might just get one from the shop. So I've got both. for not every issue. But if it's a really good cover, I might just want sort of both versions. I don't know. It It's thrown me a bit, this. I, I really don't know how I feel about it. Um, hmm. I kind of don't like it because it's put me in a quandary of whether I want it or not. Does that make sense? I'm just like, I don't know if I want this.
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: And I But I haven't got a choice, so I'm getting it. But unless I unsubscribe, so oh, I don't know. I think I like it. When the issue arrives, because because the cover's so nice this month, I think when I see it without the text, I think it's going to look beautiful. But
0: this cover does look really nice with yeah. Jody on the front, nice design yeah. and stuff.
1: Mm-hmm. How I mean, if you were a subscriber, is this something you would like? Because the other thing is, it's just come out of the blue. It's not like they've sort of asked. It's not like they've done a sort of questionnaire on Twitter and Facebook. Oh, would subscribers like? You know, they haven't done any of that. They've just suddenly come out of the blue and said, oh, by the way, guys, from next issue, you know, you're getting techless covers and stuff. So I don't know. It's just very out of the blue. But if you did subscribe, is this something you would welcome or would you be be a bit perplexed by it?
0: Um, Yeah, I wouldn't mind this. Yeah. I thought it
1: might be something you would like. Yeah. yeah, I think it'd
0: be quite cool. Um i mean, overall it's just a way of trying to make subscribers feel you know a, a teeny bit more special than the muggles who are out in the <laughs> shop, you know, buying it with their sort of cold hard cash who don't subscribe. So yeah. they're trying to sort of sort of incentivize it just a little bit so they can say, Look, don't go out to the shop and buy it. Every month, you know, subscribe and we'll send you a special one that, that, that the muggles don't get. So, mm. in a way, you can kind of see why they're they're doing it, and they're 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 marketing it as if as if new readers should jump on to start their new collection. It's you know, it's to begin your collection. Why don't you take out this subscription that we've handily put a link to?
2: Mm,
1: and, it's rebranding uh, again, isn't it? Kind rebranding of, again. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It might be nice. It might be nice, but. I'm not 100% sold on it. I'll let you know next week when I've actually yeah. got the issue. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> but, but uh,
0: yeah. Yes. Yes.
1: Right. In other news, uh, the first official book to accompany the new series of Doctor Who is coming out in September. There's September again. Another. I think, I, I think we we're looking for a September... Uh, release date for the new series don't you it just it seems everything's coming out in september so <laughs> we'll see anyway it's going to be called doctor who the woman who lived the women who lived the not women. the woman yes. there's loads of them the women who <laughs> lived uh, it's written by crystal d and simon gurrier <laughs> did i say his name how do
2: you i
0: think
1: Sierra, yes. um, yeah. that'll be it. And it's uh, 75 inspiring tales of remarkable women of the Hooniverse. Uh, so this is quite good because it's actually going th- th- from people like Ag- Ag- Agatha Christie and Queen Victoria right up to like Bill Potts and River Song. And mm-hmm. it's going to have the doc you know, the- our new doctor in there herself. Plus there's going to be um, our- feature our new companion as well. So. Uh, what's Mandip's character name in, in the new series
0: oh crikey um,
1: is it Yasmin is that why I keep calling her Yasmin I think it might be yeah. <laughs> that explains it right good okay now, now I know what I'm doing right so yeah it's going to have a new piece on there as well so as I said coming out in September I don't know if we've got a price for it yet can't see one but um dollars 99 16 dollars there we go um, nice cover is this our old mate Lee Binding doing this one Oh, Looks like his style,
0: I'm not sure. It could it, be. I don't know.
1: I think I might have seen him sex it the other day is why I'm saying that. But um also it does feature lots of illustrations as well inside which look rather mm-hmm. nice. And they're by different artists, so they, they sort of really vary from like comic book style to very sort of nice artwork and stuff. So yeah, quite an intriguing book. Crystal D says, um Obviously, she's one of the people involved in it. She says, with Jodie Whitaker's 13th Doctor arriving this autumn, we thought this would be the perfect time to reflect upon the wealth of incredible female characters from Doctor Who's 55-year history. Uh, because there are so many. Uh, we hope the stories in this book will inspire a whole new generation of fans and existing fans too. Very cool. Yeah, so very cool.
0: Yes. Oh, nice uh, Simon uh, uh, Gigieria. Gheria? What did I say? Guiera. Guiera. That was it. That's it. Simon it uh, says, we hope this offers a fresh perspective on the history of Doctor Who, a chance to celebrate the richness of past episodes as well as looking forward to the series' exciting future. Uh, I thought a new Doctor Who backwards, um, I thought I knew Doctor Who backwards, but we discovered loads of new things in our research for the book. So I think it might be a fairly substantial book. It looks like it's got plenty of stuff in it and the cover's really nice so the
1: cover's nice but there's someone Mm. missing from that cover and i hope she's in there that's sarah where's sarah jane oh she should be on there surely anyway maybe she's not in it but i would i would think she is i
0: would i would think so
1: (laughs) we would think so so that's out the 27th september hardback 1699
0: indeed uh let's look at big finish yes Uh, let's so uh, the very first time that this particular gentleman appeared at Big Finish, it was uh, pretty big news actually, and it did very well. So, Sir Derek Jacobi uh, is returning as the War Master uh, for his second run at Big Finish, uh, and it's called "The Master of Callus. Mm-hmm. And quite excitingly, we've spoken about these uh, a lot recently. Mm-hmm. But on the cover, yeah. we've got some ood.
1: Great cover, this very fantastic cool cover. cover, yeah. Ooh.
0: This is uh, Lee binding, this cover.
1: Is it? Yeah. No, it very, yes. very cool. Very yeah. nice.
0: And uh, to give you a bit of blurb on the Master of Calus, Uh On the mining colony Callus, Elliot King struggles to meet the demands of its governor, Terram. Uh, the odds are stacked against him and his options are running low. The world that once promised dreams now offers only despair. A wild Ood stalks the forests. Carrying an antiquated phone. The caller promises much. He claims he can change the world, but he always speaks a devastating truth. He is the master, and the Ood will obey him. But to what end? (sighs) this sounds so good it Uh, does sound great yeah it's a it's a standard affair from big finish so it's the four-story box set the first story is called call for the dead second story is the glittering prize third one is the persistence of dreams and story four is sins of the father Mm. Uh, james goss and guy adams uh, share the writing for this one uh, when is this one out? I can't remember. I think December, it's December. Uh, I think not till December. December. Yes, it is December. December yeah. yeah, and they do the typical pricing that you've you've seen. Uh, so twenty quid for the download or twenty three quid if you want the CD. Get in this one.
1: Yo, absolutely. 100%. I should be getting the good old-fashioned CD as well. Uh, yeah, no, this this looks and sounds brilliant, mate. I, I I think it looks great. So it's kicking off a new series of adventures as well. So in July, they'll be following it up with the next set, which is called Rage of the Time Lords. Sounds good. Um, and then series four uh, is called Anti-Genesis, mm, okay. Okay. which will be December 2019, which sounds way off, but, you know, it will soon pop round. So, yeah, this is 100% a uh, purchase for me.
0: Definitely. Me too, mate. This sounds yeah. very, very cool. You yeah. know, sometimes when you hear of a a Who story, something just grabs you about it. And I think not only is uh, Derek Jacobi's performance just so good as the the, the, the war master, the nasty yeah. uh, sort of villain um, master, but um, I just love stories with the Ud. I, th- I think they're one of <laughs> yeah. my favourite sort of creations from modern Doctor Who. I just love the Ud. I think they're they're such a versatile character and i think yeah. there's more to them as well because in the stories that we've seen on tv they're either slaves obviously or they're slaves that go a bit nuts mm-hmm. you know and uh but i think there's more to them than that i I, th- I honestly think there's there's a lot more to the character of the Ud, or as as a species or a race whatever so uh i'm looking forward to this story and how they can and I really hope it's the same dude that does the voice of the Ud from the TV show as well.
1: Oh yeah, like, I can't think. Is it Paul Casey? or Am I thinking of someone it else? Could but be somebody like that. Yeah.
0: So I hope it's it's the same guy. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, a purchase for sure. This one. Yeah, yeah sounds good. Yep. Uh, last but not least, and we've spoken about these already, but the Sonic Screwdriver, the brand new one, Jodie's um, Sonic uh, is currently up for pre-order now. There's two versions for this. Mm. And it's been hotly debated on Twitter yeah. Uh, ever since. So over in the US, uh, you're getting a slightly different look for your one. It's made by a company called 720. And uh, I'm not sure on the pricing in US dollars, but I think it's going to be roughly $25, I think, roughly. And over in the UK, uh, we're getting one by the usual suspect, uh, Character. Mm-hmm. Now there is a slight difference, and I put a couple of photos on Twitter the other day yeah. when they released a, a slightly different version to this one. And I think the US dudes are getting a better version. It looks so, in yeah. my opinion. Um, obviously, we don't have these in hand to compare with our own eyeballs, but from the pictures that have been put out, the the 720 version over in the US. There are two things that it seems that they've. The quality seems better, so the actual look of it seems better. They seem to have got the. It's like a. It's hard to explain, but because um, the Sonic looks like it's made of two parts, there's like a the main body, and then there's like a almost sort of finger shape that comes off the bottom, mm-hmm. and just above that little join where you see the main body, you've got like these little thin strips that make these sort of little semicircles, these little half of an oval, if you like. It seems like the the 720 version has got that shape pretty accurate to the, to the actual Sonic, where the character one, it seems like they've just made them roughly in the similar shape, um, Yeah, <laughs> and uh, it looks like it's lighter as well. The 720 one looks like it's a slightly darker in terms of colour, um, mm. sort of accurate, uh, but also the character one, you've got all the screw holes um, sort of on display, um which doesn't look great whereas the the 721 looks like they've disguised them a little bit a little bit better mm. um so yeah the US one looks slightly better i'm not sure i'm i want to pay the import charges <laughs> for the 721 um depending on what they are but i don't know obviously we'll get these mate we've we've got all the other ones but I would. I tell you, I'd love to get my hands on one of each to compare them. I,
1: I would just love to review both of these because they do – it's very hard to tell, isn't it, from the pictures because that's why I would love to get the actual product to see exactly how different they are because um, I think there's no doubt about it that – what's the other company called? 720. Yeah. They – have they, the way they have sort of photographed it for the promotional image just makes it look a hundred times better than the mm-hmm. character version because the character version looks like it's got a massive join gap right down the middle of the Sonic where the two bits of plastic have been <laughs> put to, screwed together. Well, it does, yeah. Y- yeah. Yeah, so, you know, I, I just would love to actually see the, the product, to see what it's like, because I have managed to track down a video on YouTube of somebody with the uh, American version mm-hmm. Um, and it looked pretty good. The one thing I would say is, yes, they've just, there's no screw holes on one side, but when she turned it over, there's actually loads on the other side. So oh, what right. they've done on the American one, rather than, rather than have sort of, sort of two screws on each side, they've just put all the screws down the back. So on the promotional image, you're, you're seeing the side that's got none.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> ah, right, but I right.
1: can't work out which is better because that you know it's quite nice to have that flush side, because the other side's sort of in your hand anyway, so you don't really see... I don't know. I just want to see them both together, but yeah, at the minute, yeah. it looks to me like the US are getting a better one. It's it's sort of painted better as well, because there's no... Again, I'm going by the promotional image, but there's no shading or anything on the UK one. They just sprayed it silver, and there you go. Mm-hmm. The US one's sort of got shading on it, isn't it, to make it look a bit yeah, worn. Yeah. And, and also, the top spins on the US one, yes, like the end it's quite possible the UK one does as well. But as we haven't seen, I haven't found a video of that one yet, or it hasn't been released. I don't know. I think I assume the UK one will as well, but Hopefully. the US one yeah. definitely does. So it's interesting having, you know, two companies making the same product. So one for us, one for UK, because I think it, it, this is where it gets a bit confusing character used to be part of underground toys and underground toys used to do the American side character did the UK mm-hmm. Now that Underground Toys doesn't exist anymore, or, or it may have even formed into 720, they're doing the UK side, but there's, they're nothing to do with each other, these two companies. So I think even if they are formerly Underground Toys, they are nothing to do with character anymore. So yeah, so we're mm. going to see, I think we're going to see a few things like this. Like I know 720 are going to be doing a 5.5 inch 13th Doctor figure, but there's no announcement for a uk version yet so i'm thinking you know if the us get a, a five inch figure of the thirteenth doctor and we don't get one you can just imagine all the it's going to kick off because there's a i know you're not into your figures mate but there's a lot of people out there really love the figures uh myself included so it's, yeah i think we're going to see a few little issues like this having two companies doing the same product so be interesting but i mm. i, I want to get both i don't know how easy it's going to be to get the american one um but I'd love to get both so I can compare them.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think the American one, unless somebody like Forbidden Planet International are going to stock it as an import. I did wonder that. Then mm. maybe, but otherwise, if you can order it directly, it's probably going to be double the price of, of the character oh, it one. Will. Yeah.
1: it will. yeah. Actually, there used to be uh, Pop Culture, which I think is an Australian
0: company, it used, to, yeah.
1: used to get a lot of um, imports and stuff, but I don't know if they will. Anyway,
2: mm. yeah.
0: Anyways, new Sonic we'll we'll debate further down the line whether we actually 100% like it. We think we do. It's growing. It's looks, growing on me. Yeah, it looks pretty cool. We'll um we'll obviously get a bit more emotionally attached once we've gone through series 11, I suppose, but uh Yeah. At the moment, it will pre-order it anyway, just for our OCD because we have got all the others, but
1: Can I can yeah. I just put my money on something here and now as well? <laughs> my and I've no, I've no basis for this whatsoever, but my gut feeling is this is going to be the sonic that she welds together and makes herself and I bet you at the end of series 11 she gets another like a proper Sonic I don't know I just got this feeling and then there'll be another toy to collect next year that's what I reckon is going to happen but yeah could be be wrong
0: so that's going to do for news and merch now Sarah Jane Sarah Jane (laughs) whatever happened to Sarah Jane what did happen
1: to her (laughs)
0: is for you. He said give it to the person you trust the most. Who's Andrea? Dad, something really weird is going on. There's this woman over in Sarah Jane's house. Who's Sarah Jane? Maria, please help me. Dad! Get out of my house. This isn't your house. Who are you? What
2: about Maria? (laughs) Remember.
0: July 13th, 1964. Sarah Jane, you've got to believe me. You mustn't go down there. I took you to aid the coming of darkness. Your life was so important and I found the right moment to slough it out. You were meant to die. Meant? Who says I'm meant to die? I will return when the earth is no more. Don't you dare! Don't you dare!
2: Can you hear me? That's it.
0: Impact is due in eight minutes. Ooh. You must make a decision.
1: immediately you got the right voice for it with your cold
0: I have, it's quite cool yeah, perfect for the trickster indeed Sarah Jane Adventures Mm. whatever happened to Sarah Jane it was first broadcast in 2007 those two parts, the end of October and the beginning of November of that year it was written by Gareth Roberts it was directed by Graham Harper Um, obviously overseen by RTD and Julie Gardner and all those peeps. Um, And the story is, um, just to cut to the chase, uh, an event happened in Sarah Jane's early life where one of her friends had a bit of an accident when they were down by the pier and she ended up falling off and a bit of a tragic accident. Um, But then there's a a, a moment that happens in the story where uh, this character called the Trickster, who I understand, because it's the first time that I've actually seen this, this episode uh, and me yeah yep, all these episodes and uh from what i understand this character called the trickster turns up a few times throughout the uh, the sarah jane run but okay um, essentially what happens is he uh uh they uh would like to sort of end the world and the way to do that is by taking sarah jane out of the picture so that she's not around to save the world from the meteorite that's on course to. Uh, to smash into the earth. And the mm. way that the trickster does that is by swapping the roles effectively. So when her best friend, um, uh, Andrea Yates, is hanging off the um, the pier, uh, the trickster turns up and says, what if I could swap you around? What if we put Sarah Jane in this, in your shoes? But you have to agree. And uh, so she says yes, selfishly or not, I'll let you decide, listeners, mm. on that one. And uh, so Sarah Jane ends up hanging off the pier. Sarah Jane falls and dies. And then in the current timeline, she's been erased from existence. And the only person that sort of remembers her is Maria because she has the little trinket, the little time box thing that protects her mind from Sarah Jane being erased. So it, we have this sort of uh, uh, sort of memory problem with everybody where everyone just has no idea who Sarah Jane is, no idea who Luke Smith was or... Um, you know, the, the Sarah Jane's house, there's nothing in the attic. She's basically been erased and it's down to Maria to sort of fix things. And and uh, so over the two parts, um, every, every, literally everyone's been, their memory's been wiped apart from Maria who was protected by the little boxy thing. And uh, even Andrea Yates herself didn't remember the event. She asked the trickster to, you know, I don't want to know about it. So she's mm. grown up not even knowing you know, what, what went on with Sarah Jane and so on. And then her dad, um, um, Alan Jackson, he sort of has a bit of a mind craziness moment where he finds the box and he clocks on. So he sort of tries to figure it out as well. And it culminates with, um, Andrew Yates ultimately making the right decision at the very end. She, uh, she tells the trickster to go do one. Um, mm-hmm. she says the bargains off the deals off. Sarah Chain gets reinstated and in the nick of time, Mr. Smith sort of rolls out, sorts the meteor out and uh, and on we go. Yes. Almost happily ever after. So what do you reckon to this one, mate? So you and I haven't seen this one before. Fresh eyes, fresh opinions. What do you reckon?
1: I thought it was great. I really enjoyed this. Yeah, really enjoyed it, mate. Um, Nice sort of simple story. And I think this is um, probably the most adult one we've had so far because series one, we're still in series one and it's, mm-hmm. it's been good. It's been very family orientated. It's been mildly childish at times, you know, with the Slovene one. And it's, yeah, I think this is sort of taking us down the slightly more teenagery adult, um, side of Sarah Jane by the looks of it. And, uh, I thought it was very good. I thought production was great actually for, mm-hmm. for, for this series. um, and uh, yeah, it, it struck me as being one of those, you know, like we get doctor Light episodes where we the Doctor's hardly in it. Uh-huh. Uh, I mean, Sarah Jane's hardly in, well, particularly episode one. I think she's in episode two a lot more, but she's hardly in episode one. So uh-huh. a lot of it's down to uh, Yasmin Page's Maria uh-huh. Jackson. A lot of it's down to her to carry that episode, which is quite brave, really, because she actually steps up to the plate pretty well. She's She's actually quite good in it, but... She's a young actress and I wouldn't say she's been brilliant so far. So for her to carry this, you know, particularly episode one, I think she does a, a very good job actually. Um, Cause yeah. it, you know, it could have been, you know, when you're sort of using child actors and stuff, it can, you know, when you're dealing with serious <laughs> subjects, it can sort of go off the boil a bit, but I think she carries it pretty well. So yes, this is getting a big thumbs up for me. It might even be, my favourite story so far that we've watched, because um, what 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 story are we on now? Is this the fifth story? We're still on series one, so one, two. Yes, I think it's the fifth story in series one. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so far, we've liked them all. Actually, we haven't had a we mm. haven't had a dud, have we? So Not far, really. we've been no. scoring around the sort of seven, six point five mark. We've you know we've been quite enjoying series one of Sarah Jane. I think this actually. Up the ante a bit, I actually thought this was a quite strong um story. So yeah, very, very enjoyable. I thought mm. and liked it a lot. Yeah. What about you, mate? Do you like this one? Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, do you know what, mate? I think this is one of the one of the best bits of, of television that I've I've seen. Really? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, I came away from this thinking that was a bloody good story. Yeah. Yeah. Like, honestly, mate, I thought when part one finished, I thought, "Am I am I watching this? Am I am I seeing?" It's like because you mentioned earlier that it's quite an adult f- for a kids' show. It's one one mm-hmm. of the more adult themed uh, stories. But halfway through, I I sat there and I thought, "Crikey, this is really really good." Mm-hmm. I think we, we must have hit a plateau here because part two is going to sort of it's either going to be just as good or not, or, or if not better, or it's just going to fade away now. Mm. Because it's a kid's program. We can't have you know anything in the way of violence too much going on. When, you know the, the, the goodies have got to live on, so everyone's obviously mm. going to survive. But how are they going to... But when I finished watching the whole thing, I was like, crikey, that was... I, I loved it, mate. I thought it was such mm. a great... It, I, I think it was the, the script and the direction together just made this... A a superb watch. Mm. And you're right, we we have been enjoying Sarah Jane so far as we've gone through series one. But this one for me, just the rest of the series is going to have to bring something pretty special to follow this up. I thought it was such a great story and a great Mm. piece of television. And the performances were brilliant. I thought the performances in this one were up another level. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's started to feel like things have clicked into place. Yes.
0: Like everything's
1: just running along really nicely so far in Series Mm 1. But yeah, like you said, it's as if they've gone into another gear now. All the cast are jelling. Like you said, it it just feels like a really strong program because I suppose it could be quite easy for somebody who hasn't watched Sarah Jane, I mean, I've only seen Bits and Bobs, but you sort of think, oh, it's a kid's show, isn't it? You sort of write it off <laughs> yeah. as something like, as if like, you know, the stories might be a bit throwaway. Like, oh, so, yes, yeah, half an hour of entertainment, but there's no content or, you know, doesn't sort of delve into anything too deep. You know, that's not the case. The, the 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 writing in it is is superb for a, a you know, children's show. You know, it's, it's not sort of a bit of fluff that's just, you know, kills half an hour. There's actually some... Great stuff going on in, in, in terms of the writing and, like you said, the performance. Uh, just touching on the direction, great to have Graham Harper back.
0: Because, oh, obviously, yeah. you
1: know, he's yeah. such a you know, great director anyway, did cave zone design and all that. So um, so you've got, you know, Gareth Roberts, who obviously is written for Doctor who, Graham Harper, plus this cast. It's all really sort of... Working well together, I think. Yeah, so I agree mm-hmm. with you. I, I thought it was a fantastic piece of television. For you know, um, I, I'm just amazed I haven't watched it before. I, I think mm-hmm. you may have been thinking this when, like, you your reaction to episode one. Mm-hmm. I was, I, I think I was in a similar place because it got to the end and I was thinking, I can't believe that I haven't sort of sat down and watched this till now.
2: Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, you yeah. know,
1: it's just like, it's that its that good, isn't it? It's just like, i been yeah. sat on my shelf, I bought series one, goodness knows how long ago, thinking, well, it's to do with Doctor Who, so I'll, I'll buy it and watch it at some point and it's just sat there and, and uh, you know, it's yeah, it's good that it's so good. Cause I'm now thinking, man, I should have been watching this ages. I should have been watching it when it was on the TV, you know? Absolutely yeah.
0: mate. And it's one of those things where, uh, you know, I'll, I'll say this to anybody comfortably now, because I wanted to sort of get into the flow of Sarah Jane before, because mm. there's always that thing, cause we do get asked on Twitter a few times, like, is it worth watching X? Whatever it might be, you know, is it worth watching the Davison era? Is it worth watch? Is it worth me getting into Torchwood or whatever it is? Mm. But we've been asked this a few times on Twitter since we've been reviewing Sarah Jane, and I would absolutely say now it's just, just watch it. It doesn't matter how you watch it if you have to go and buy the DVDs or the Blu-rays or if it's streamed in your country, whatever. But it's really worth a watch. And yes, there are. It has been a bit up and down. This first series, and I don't mean in terms of quality. I mean in terms of who the audience it's for, because we've had a couple of. I think what was it? The the one before Warriors of Kudlak, um, the Slavine, the one before Warriors of Kudlak, before Eye of the Gorgon. Was it the Slavine, the first Revenge
1: of the Slavine, yeah. or Invasion of the Bane? Even the like the sort of pilot episode. Yes,
0: and yeah, the Yeah, yeah. So those ones you can tell that they're kind of honouring their agreement almost with CBBC, like, yeah, we're going to make a very comfortable, light-hearted children's Mm. programme. But then Warriors of Kudlak, it almost raised the bar a little bit in its uh, sort of darkness almost. It's not a a very dark, it's not a hugely dark story where it goes into some dark places and you think, oh, I don't really want the kids watching it. It just sort of borderlines on some themes, if you like. Um, But then this one takes it up to another level. You know, it's almost, that's what I mean by up and down. You have these very lighthearted, um, child-friendly, kid-orientated stories. And then this one, the kids can still watch it, it. It's got that kind of scary, because the, the trickster character does look very scary. And there's yeah. there's one scene where Andrea Yates is up in the attic because Sarah Jane has been erased at this point. And she's mm. up in the attic, and the only way that they can see the trickster is in the mirror.
1: Yes, and there's yeah.
0: and there's a scene where the trickster appears behind her in the room, and the camera zooms in like super quick on the trickster's face, mm. and you get this sort the of teeth. Yeah, the sound effects, yeah. and even I got goosebumps, and I thought, mm. "Crikey, that is creepy." That's. Mm. That's really creepy. So you can imagine for kids, I'd love it because it's got that real creepiness to it. Like, yay, I'm allowed yeah. to watch something scary. <laughs> um,
1: it, it's the sort of episode as well that, you know, so we've had a few people who have commented on the podcast Facebook page saying, you know, is Sarah Jane for me? Like I'm a Doctor Who Tortures exactly. fan. Is it mm-hmm. a kid's show? Or am I going to like it? And I would say up until this point, I would say it's very watchable, but maybe a little too kiddy for some people. This, this is an episode where I could say, oh, no, you this is good. You all watch this. This will show you how good the series can be. This is a this is an absolutely top notch story that, yes, it's got kiddie elements, but also it's very, very um, family, family sort of orientated. And like you said, it's just on the edge of being scary enough for adults, but also fun enough for kids mm-hmm. as well. So, so it's a, I think if I was going to sort of say to someone, where do I jump on or Oh, I don't really, you know, what's the what's a good episode to start with? I mean, we're still really early on, only on series one, but I would say, well, this is going to be marked down on my book as one to say, well, this is a good one to watch. If you've yeah. never watched it before, watch this one. This is good.
0: Yeah. Absolutely, mate. It's definitely yeah. one to recommend and, yeah, yeah. Just, to, just to confirm, you know. if, if Whereas
1: any- if I was looking at the Slovene one and it said, if someone said, oh, oh, shall I watch the Slovene one first? They might watch it and think, oh, no, it's, I can see it's a kid's programme. No, it's silly and... You know, although I think it's perfectly fun and watchable, I might not recommend that as a, a good jump and on point. But this struck me as just being a perfect pitch between sort of for kids and adults alike, this one. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean. So if somebody said just in general, should I watch Sarah Jane, the answer is yes, go ahead. But if somebody said, I'm the sort of person that I just really don't like, I'm not into cartoons, I'm not into kids' programmes, you know, I'm really not into that. But should I give it a go? Then yes, mm. but maybe give this one a watch first. And if you're yeah. sort of drawn to the characters and you want to know more about it, then nip back to the pilot and watch from there. Mm. And um, one thing that I... So this that's why I like this this story so much because it has it all in there. Mm. It's one of those stories where it's kind of that sort of gem that forms in certain stories that comes along now and then where you've got funny, emotional, sad sort of action scariness it's all packaged in there mm. really well and that's one of the things that i that that when i turned it off i thought bloody hell you know that's uh, mm. that almost felt like it could be in doctor who mm. for me it, it almost felt like cuz it did it does have a little bit of not kiddiness about it but sort of a more youthful Set up where you see them at the skateboarding park at the beginning, and yeah, yeah, you know, hmm. you know those little bits, and you think you know that okay, I, I get you you know we 're on cbbc BBC you know I know where we 're going with this,
2: hmm.
0: but you 've got the the scariness factor with the the trickster, but you also have a real emotional side to it as well, so there are a couple of scenes where I weld up a little bit, and it 's where Sarah Jane is absolutely pleading with Andrea Yates to reverse her decision because she wants to save her son, Luke, you know, cause yes. he's been, yeah. he's not in it very much at all. So he's been sort of transported out of the timeline as well, but not mm. with Sarah Jane. So he's off somewhere on his own. And, uh, and Sarah Jane's pleading with Andrea Yates, you know, cause mm. she's trapped in the mirror and she's like, you know, I need to save Luke. You know, he's got his whole life ahead of him. And, and I just welled up a little bit because it, Mm. Yeah, it's just really emotional. And then you've got Maria, who's grown really attached to Sarah Jane, and it's her mission to to save her, because she can hear her. And When they go to the library, she can hear Sarah oh, well, Jane. Oh, that's it, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Sorry, and uh, yeah, so it's really up there in terms of making you feel something when you watch it, because there are plenty of mm. programmes that you can watch and enjoy, but you don't necessarily have any feeling once exactly. you've watched it. Yeah. Whereas this one gets you to me it really sort of hits home that the characters like you said all the characters are gelling nicely together now when you get a sense of family almost and uh, and it was really cleverly written as well
1: yeah, it's funny you say about the family as well, because even like um Maria's mum, who starts off in the series being quite annoying, mm-hmm. she's like she's not very likable at all. But even she's sort of really starting to form her character now. So she she is a sort of selfish individual, mm-hmm. but she's they've sort of they've softened her and she's more humorous. And actually they've made her sort of selfish you know, quite sort of sarcastic side of her character softened and more funny. Mm -hmm. And, and Mm -hmm. she, even she's becoming quite likable, isn't she? So when she sort of pops up in the earlier episodes, you're a bit like, Oh, here she is. But now she's, she's sort of like this character that's quite sort of fun. I think like it started a few episodes back when she was talking to the statue. We got to see another side of her. And, and now in this one, we get to see a more fun side of her where she sees the grass and she's like, what the hell's that? And all this. (laughs) So, Even characters like that, that are sort of side characters, if you like, are starting to sort of get more rounded and and I'm warming more towards them and finding them more fun, if you like.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Because like you said, that family sense. So you really start to feel that, you know, obviously the the mum and dad are split up. So, But you start to see the relationship between Maria, her mum and dad and how... It comes across as a proper family relationship, I think, because you, you know they, they've bonded as characters, mm-hmm. or or as as actors, if you like.
0: Yeah, and you also get that feeling between Maria and Sarah Jane as well.
1: Oh, massively! Don't yeah. You,
0: you really get that sense of mother and daughter um, relationship between those two as well, which is yeah. kind of uh, has been kicked off from the first episode, really, the first story. Yeah, and. uh And it's kind of grown a little bit because you you do get those little pockets of, you know, Sarah Jane does look out for Maria because she's accepted her into her life and she's accepted Mm. that she knows about aliens and all that stuff and they're on their sort of little mini adventures together. But this one, you really got a sense of uh, Maria just being absolutely terrified that something's happened to Sarah Jane and really Mm. frustrated that no one else, especially her dad, nobody else can see What's going on? Yeah. So everyone else is like, "Who's Sarah Jane? What are you talking about?" Because she rings Clyde, and he's like, "Oh, that's oh.
1: really funny, isn't it?" He's like, "What? Are you he's such a lad, and he's like, <laughs> <Yeah. Clyde. laughs> yeah. he thinks
0: that she's he, she's ringing him to ask him out, and yeah, because <laughs> he has no recollection of any. Nobody does. So no. she's really frustrated, and her dad thinks she's going losing her mind a little bit, mm. and uh, and that's all driven by her sort of love for Sarah Jane, I suppose. You know, she's. She's terrified that something's happened to her. So she makes it her mission to to sort the whole thing out. And uh...
1: that, That's a lovely scene in the beginning, actually. You're talking about them, sort of Sarah Jane being quite motherly towards her. There's that bit where she sort of sends Clyde and, and Luke out of the room so she could have a quiet mm-hmm. moment with Maria and, and all that. So, yeah, she's very mater- uh, maternal. maternal. Yeah, Yes, it is maternal, isn't it? Yeah. Again, it just it's lovely to see the cast are so well-jowled, mm-hmm.
0: By this point in in the series, like, yeah, what did you reckon to um, the story, um, the sort of um, message that it's trying to portray, if you like, to young viewers? Where because it, what it's trying to say, I think, is look, there are going to be times in your life where you know you're going to have to make potentially big decisions, mm. but make sure you make, you know, make sure you're making the right decisions as you grow up sort of thing, because yeah. it sort of focuses on Andrea Yates and her decision at that point in her life where, mm. um, cause Alan, um, Alan Jackson, when he confronts her at the party and then they go up into the attic and he's trying to get out of her, what's happened. He's quite disgusted in a way, you know, yeah. he's disgusted at a, that he let her friend, you know die in her place because he says it a couple of times you know she was your friend you know what what the hell are you doing and the second one is that you know you've lived a, a a long life and uh only now you're kind of you know you've you've got tears and you're crying and stuff but you're not crying because you know anyone else is lost or has been hurt by it you're crying because you you feel bad about yourself you, yeah. you know so he's going down the you know you're being really selfish yeah you've got no morals and stuff and i think in a way it's trying to to sort of say to kids look there are going to be times in your life where you're going to have to make decisions but Mm. you know try and make the right try because i think we touched on this when we covered the pilot in that when you're writing a, a television show especially for children it's very difficult to make it entertaining but also have some kind of that, you know, you're responsible as a writer for a children's show to have some mm-hmm. kind of message in there. And I think that's what they're trying to say. Yeah. And yeah. they use no, the I trickster think, as a mechanism for that.
1: Yeah. No, I think it does it. It does it really well, actually. Yeah. I, I was going to say, it, it does bring it home. And, and it's amazing, you know, as adults, we pick up on this stuff, but you'll be surprised how many kids will have watched this and sort of, subconsciously, mm-hmm. sort of Taken stuff like that in not not just with this story, but all the sort of stories, because you do when you 're a kid, you do sort of take on board these ideas without even realizing it you mm-hmm. know it 's what as you grow up it 's what you know forms us in it as we think mm-hmm. you know we don 't realize how much television impacts us on us i don 't think you know in terms of stuff like that, so yeah, I think they do do it well i mean i I just thought the overall story was 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 great uh, I just love the fact that it had a lot of twists as well, like So Maria is the only one that can remember. And then her dad, Alan has that crazy trip out at the (laughs) end of episode one. That's pretty scary as Mm -hmm. well. I thought the way it's done is because he's really, he looks like he's in pain, really. It's pretty full on for a kid's show. But so then, but then he starts to remember things and, and, and and that. So I I just love that it kept moving forward. I Mm wasn't, I can honestly say, and it sounds like you're the same, there was no point in the story where I was bored. It really moved along at a cracking pace, especially mm-hmm. episode one. When it ended, I was like, blimey, straight on to episode two. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. it was just it just keeps sort of turning over and there's plenty going on and loads of little, sort of little twists and moments in it. It, it. Yeah, it's very hard to
0: fault it, actually, this story. It is, mate. I'm finding it very difficult to pick out mm-hmm. sort of poor or bad moments from mm. the episode. I think, yeah, I really like the message it's trying to do. I like the I like the timey-wiminess that was kept under control.
1: Yeah, it wasn't difficult to understand.
0: Yeah, because there was a moment where, so when Maria realises that everyone else has forgotten who Sarah Jane is, her dad gets the photo album out. He's like, no, 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 there was no one ever around called Sarah Jane, just Andrea, because he shows her the photographs. It's like, look, look, she came and helped us move in and... You know, it's her with the boxes and stuff, and then that's right. She also sees the the pictures on her camera at the skateboarding park, and Sarah Jane's been replaced with with Andrea. But then there's a bit later on where they where um, Maria's mum, Chrissy, because um, uh, Alan is saying our our daughter Maria. Don't you remember? You know, we've got a daughter, yeah. and um, Chris is like, I don't know what you're going on about. You know, yeah. And then what she gets about, the Alan? album out, <laughs> yeah, and she shows the photos and, um. Yeah, uh, Maria's gone from those photos. So yeah. they've, they've cleverly sort of doctored the photos for each moment in the story. But you understand it fully. It's not like a timey-wimey all over the place. Like, but Sarah Jane should be there, but she's not. But, mm-hmm. you know, you know, it's, it's very well done and controlled. Yeah. And it doesn't leave a footprint that sort of the rest of the series is hindered by. So once this episode's done, that's it you don 't have to worry about the time y us. it 's all been back to normal put back to normal and then although you can just move on although uh, uh Alan now remembers that, so actually
1: i'm wondering <laughs> if in the next episode is he going to be part of the team because he he's now seen aliens and things doesn't he so he 's a bit like uh-huh. All right, what's going on here then? <laughs> which is which is like right at the very end, is not it? So I'm wondering actually. I mean, I really could have quite happily watched the next story, and I only didn't because I want to keep it as a fresh for when we review it because I haven't seen the next story either. So, um, but yeah, I did like that because I was thinking, oh, that's good. They've given us, they've brought another little person on board now, <laughs> for, for, or potentially, unless they wipe his memory or something. So that's going to be interesting to see where that goes.
0: It is, and I'm worried as well. Because in the trailer for the next story, which is the Lost Boy, uh, you can hear Alan Jackson saying, "I don't want you to see Sarah Jane anymore." So I I think he's worried about what he's seen and how Maria might be, you know, in potentially harm's way um, by knocking around with Sarah Jane. So Yeah. yeah, so it's going to be really interesting how that pans out. So that's that's the only thing really that will affect everything else. But in terms of Sarah Jane's timeline. You know, that's all been put back together, Mm -hmm. you know, and on we go.
1: I sense Russell in the background there. I don't know about mm-hmm. you. I sense Russell just plotting out. So by the end of the series, we've got the dad finds out about it. So that's another, he doesn't want to hang out. I can see him sort of plotting the series, you know, with these little ideas. Yeah. And it's great, actually. Just these little moments.
0: Yeah. It's really cool. And they also threw in another mechanism, as um, another plot mechanism as well, which also drives the story forward, which really helps, mm. which is this, um, The the imminent, sort of disaster element so the meteorite oh, yeah. that's that's crashing down and in some other stories that would be the main focus point and that would be what you know builds up the suspense but it's not until like the last half of the, the second episode that, that really kicks in because mm. it's kind of just in the background before which is another clever way of 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 this episode how clever the script is because it's like
1: another underlying threat, isn't it? Just there. Yeah, yeah.
0: so it, it kind of kicks off. It's like at the very beginning, they're all sort of nonchalant about it. It's like, oh yeah, there's a meteor coming, a meteor coming, but don't worry, Mr. Smith's just going to sort that out and, and we'll be on our way. And uh, so they set that up at the beginning, which is cool, but then it kind of gets sidelined. So it's not like a big disaster story, like, you know, the human race is in danger, although it is, in a, you know, they, they focus on the characters solely. And about yeah. the relationship with Sarah, Sarah Jane and Maria and this Andrea Yates character, which we'll come on to. But um, I really liked how they merged those two together. So they kicked mm. off with the meteorite. Then they focused over to the story and the trickster and and the sort of the moral compass, if you like, um, of the Andrea Yates character. And then they bring it back into the meteor story and Sarah Jane just gets there in time, fires up Mr. Smith, and then, and then it was done. So... Yeah. Love that about the story. It didn't focus mm. on the meteorite, which it could have done. It could have been this big suspenseful, you know, disaster movie type of, of vibe going on. But no, no it was really when- character based.
1: And when it, when it was so close to hitting the earth as well, when she's like, come on, Mr. Smith, I I really wanted to say, because he always has that big fanfare of music yeah. when he opens. Up. I was like, no, we haven't got time for that, Mr. Smith. Just get out of here. <laughs> yeah. But no, I know what you mean, mate. It, the whole story just comes full circle, and it's by the end of it, it's very, very satisfying conclusion. Everything's related. Uh-huh. Like um, also, it gets grounded into the Doctor Who universe again, because there's a great bit where the trickster's like, the doctor. He brings the doctor into oh, it, and yeah. he's saying, "Oh mm. yes, I'm gonna, I'm gonna feed off all his adventures. He, he's gonna die, and all that." So that's good. So the doctor's brought into it in a in a sort of. I was going to say subtle, but you know what I mean. It's not. It's not in in your face, but it's enough to say, "Oh, yeah. oh, the doctor." um There's a unit book as well. I noticed mm-hmm. gets pushed aside. So all the again, all these little things to look out for, which I again, I'm loving because it's. It's just there if you notice it, but it's not a big deal. So I'm loving all that stuff. But that yeah. was cool, though, when he mentioned the Doctor and he was going to, you know, get all Sarah Jane's memories or whatever he was going to do in a break. That was mm-hmm. brilliant. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And she kicks off, doesn't she? Yeah.
1: Big time. Yeah.
0: Um, okay. Let's talk about some. So in terms of story and direction, I can't really fault it, to be honest with Very you. Very good. Yeah. yeah. Um, Graham Harper just nails the, the tone and and the pacing. It's all really well done. The script is brilliant. Gareth mm-hmm. Roberts just does a brilliant job with the with the script. In terms of characters, then um, the Andrea Yates character, um, played by uh, Jane Asher, I thought she yeah. was. I thought she, her her performance, and this goes back to many times when you and I have spoken about um, supporting cast members that they they either throw themselves into it a hundred percent and make it a believable performance, or they have that sort of. Um, sort of almost reserved performance because they're thinking what 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 is going on here? This is just mm. nuts, you know. Why have I agreed to star in yeah. this absolutely ridiculous thing? Um, but I thought Jane Asher, she really did throw herself into it because she's got the 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 typical old sort of single woman happily. Not happily married because she's single, obviously. Because she has a bit of a thing for Alan, by the look of yeah, it. Yeah,
1: that's right. Yeah. Um,
0: but she's got that older woman. She's had a good life. She's now sort of settled a little bit, and she's happy and comfortable. But then she goes from that to being really distraught and upset, to then being like really angry as well in the same and scene. Vicious
1: so, and a bit scary. Yeah. So yeah. towards
0: the end, where, um, when they're sorting stuff out in the in the attic. You know, she's almost snaps quite harshly at Maria, doesn't she? You know, mm. Um Maria and She said,
1: banishes banishes Maria off quite quickly, doesn't she? She's like when the when the trickster says, Oh, I can get rid of it. She's like, mm, yeah, go on then. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> she yeah. doesn't think about it for too long, does she? Yeah. Yeah.
0: So she's mm. got that ruthless streak to her. Mm. But she does bounce between sort of being upset to angry to then sort of resolute. at the end she's just you know, she's like, Yeah, fine, you know, get out of here sort of thing, trickster. Um, But did you think her performance was quite good? Because I bought into her performance. I thought she did really well. Yeah, no, I thought
1: she was great casting, mate, because she's got a good line between she could sort of be humorous and really dark in the switch of a, you know, in a switch. And I just thought uh, it's always good when you get somebody who can do that very well. Uh, And I think she did. Yeah, so Mm -hmm. I I thought she was great casting, actually. And She really fitted that role as well, because if you're going to replace Sarah Jane with somebody of the same sort of ilk. She's mm-hmm. sort of got it because she's still, you know, she's a, a lady of a certain age, but she still looks really good and she mm-hmm. dresses really, just like Liz Slated. So I thought it was a really good sort of replacement for her um, in terms of, and also a strong character as well because Sarah Jane's very strong. So they sort of did like for like, didn't they, really? Yeah. She's just yeah. sort of like the, not the evil version of Sarah Jane because she's not really evil, but she's, the more selfish, less moralistic version of Sarah Jane. So I thought she was great. Yeah, really good casting. I thought her performance was really good as well.
0: Yeah, Yeah. like a well-known actress. She's been in lots of UK TV stuff, you know, know, pretty well-known. But yeah, I thought she performed that really well. She really gave herself the whole, she put herself into it.
1: I, I didn't know she was in it as well. So when she opened the door, I was a bit like, oh, that's, um, oh, I know her. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't think of her name. And I was like, oh yeah, Jane Asher. Yeah. yeah. So that was a nice surprise as well to just see her randomly. Because like you said, quite a well-known personality really mm-hmm. to just suddenly pop up in a, in brackets, children's program. Mm-hmm. So
0: yeah. Uh, little Jimmy V as the Grask. Yes. <laughs> um, slightly
1: overdoing it for me uh oh you <laughs> but,
0: read my mind again you know?
1: yeah I was gonna say I mean you, you gotta love him gotta love a Grask. but um yeah it was a little if I'm gonna sort of knock half a point or whatever on my final score I'm afraid it is because he's a little bit over the top I think because the rest of the episode's done so seriously mm-hmm. then that doesn't mean it's not fun because it is a fun episode as well uh-huh. story even but um but he's a little bit too Ah, I think he's thinking, I'm in a kid's show, so I've got to be really silly. So, yeah, it's slightly let down by him. But as I said, you've got to love a grasp, so I'm not going to hold it against him.
0: Yeah, Yeah. he wasn't too bad, but yeah, you read my mind. Oh, he's not bad. He's not bad. No, he was just a bit, um... yeah, because I thought the same thing. So when OTT. Yeah, when he came on, I was like, oh yeah, this is the kiddie element. This is the scary little alien that's very menacing and has to be, almost has to be over the top because it needs to be a contrast to the human characters. So he needs to be, mm. you know, the, 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 very scary little, and know, his I eyes guess, are scary.
1: Yeah. His eyes are scary. But I guess, you know what? I guess kids would love it though, wouldn't they? Yeah. I've got a sort of, I guess if I was a sort of five or six year old watching this or, you know, however, I, I guess kids would love him. It's only because I'm an old git that I'm just like, <laughs> no, no, he's being silly. He's doing a silly walk, you know, I'm just say, like, yeah, but kids probably love him.
0: Hmm. Yeah. What about the trickster, then, played by um, Paul Mark Davis?
1: Fantastic. i I tell you what, when they... Because they go really close up on his face, because mm-hmm. he hasn't got much detail on his face, to be fair. But the, the mouth and teeth, and it, it's such a simplistic but brilliantly horrible design, isn't it? It's just mm-hmm. a sort of hooded figure with no features apart from a mouth. Um, yeah, it's very sinister. Uh, I, I like the trickster. I'm kind of... I'm glad to hear that we'll be seeing them again. I mean, I don't know when or where, um, but yeah, I thought they were a good, good creation.
0: Yeah, He, was, he played um, the main sort of baddie, if you like, in series one of class. Hold on, there was only one series, wasn't there? Sorry, in yeah. class. Um, so he was the big sort of guy that was lived... Lift- the Shadowkin thing. Yeah, what was his name? Car- Car- Caracanus, I think, Car- Caracanus. Whatever it was. It, yeah. yeah, yeah. He, so he played that character. So he's, um, he's popped up in WHO related stuff. Um, yeah. But, yeah. but he
1: plays it very well. I assume it's him doing the voice and everything as yeah. well, then, because yeah. he, he is very creepy in it, especially the stuff going on in the mirror and all
2: that. So, mm-hmm.
0: yeah. yeah. That was the main, the main thing that I had noted down about him was very creepy. Yeah. I thought they nailed that because I, I would imagine very younger kids are sort of five, six, seven would be quite freaked out by him yeah he was very creepy what about um the parents then alan and chrissy jackson we've touched on them already but um i thought alan uh, jackson i thought uh, joseph milson i thought he's his performance ramped up a bit for this one
1: yeah i did as well because again i'm really starting to really get to know these people and i'm really liking them even even selfish old um what's her name the the, the ex-wife chrissy I'm even starting to warm towards Chrissy, mm-hmm. but no, Alan, he's he's great actually. He's he's really good when he's with Maria. Like there's a you know there's, as I said, you do feel like they could be father and daughter. I, mm-hmm. I think they they really work well together those two. Um, but he, he gets more to do in this episode, and I I think the actor, uh, what's his name, what's Alan's, the, Joseph uh, Wilson. Joseph Milson. Mm-hmm. He really steps up to the plate, I think, is as if he's like read the script and thought, yeah, man, God, look what I get to do in this story. I'm really going for it. And uh, and he does it well. <laughs> I think he's he's really good in it. He slightly reminds me of um you know like how um Arthur Darville's so good at playing Rory, at, at playing the sort of comical and the likable and also the action. All right. Alan okay. reminds me a little bit of that, because I could at times find him really funny, but He's just overall really likeable. So I'm, I'm glad he's sort of stepped up to the plate and been given more to do and brought into the story more. I, I think he's really good, actually.
0: Yep, I agree, mate. I thought yeah. um, it's totally believable as um, Maria's dad to those two. They work so well together. And I just thought his performance in this one was really like the, the best of both ends of the spectrum because he does mm. play the lighthearted because at the beginning he shows off his skateboarding skills Oh little that's funny and,
1: Yeah she's embarrassed
0: Yeah and it's all cool and lighthearted and fluffy And uh, but then he goes from he sort of travels from one end of the spectrum to the other really successfully so at the midpoint he goes to worry so he's really worried about Maria because he thinks is she going mad is she, she got some sort of mental illness he wants to take her to a doctor and all the rest of it That's right and then he transfers into that real kind of, uh, you know, dad that's out to rescue his daughter sort of thing. And, you know, when he confronts Andrea Yates and... That's good. You yeah. know, and he's not messing around and he really wants to just sort it out. You know, he really... Yeah, I, I just thought he's, his range was really cool. Mm. And also it's nice
1: the fact that they bring the skateboarding into it at the end as well, isn't it? Because I, yeah. I didn't sort of see that coming. I thought, oh, that's cool. They you know, they brought that – there was a reason to it rather than just him being an yeah. embarrassing dad. They actually use it for him to – does he knock the grass go over or something? I can't remember. But he, he does, suddenly yeah. turns up on a skateboard yeah. at the end. I thought, oh, that's very cool. Yeah,
0: mm. yeah very cool. And what about uh, – we don't need to talk about Mr. Smith, do we? Alexander no. Armstrong. He only has a couple of lines. It's fairly mm. – We've already established he's fairly good as the voice of, yeah. as Mister Smith. Um, Luke Smith hardly in it. Hardly in it at the beginning and at the end. Yeah, don't know what he was up to. Maybe doing his exams or something. Probably Tommy Knight. <laughs> yeah, um, the same with Clyde. He's in it a bit more, but he's again he's not really. He he features at the beginning when Maria's calling him, and yeah. then he shows up at the end for some random reason. He's there at Andrew Yates' birthday party. Oh yeah, that's a good point.
1: I hadn't yeah. even realised that. Yeah, he is there, isn't he? Because when the meteors come in, he's getting all worried. But
0: yeah, why is he there? I don't know. I, there's probably a little bit in there that we've overlooked as to why probably. he's there. But yeah, yeah. Um, but fairly good, fairly good performance from him. Yeah, Nothing's, yeah. He's
1: quite I mean, funny at being the sort of cocky lad. You know, oh, yeah. what are you ringing me for? What a date do you sort of thing? He's quite good at that sort of stuff. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, but the two sort of main uh, sort of stars of the show if you like uh, was Maria Jackson and Sarah Jane Um, so what did you reckon then Yasmin Page
1: yeah I think she she does well actually because I've sort of been worried about her a little bit thinking is she she seems to have Not, she's not been as strong in terms of the acting as the rest of the cast in the previous stories. I suppose she's been good, she's been consistent, but the other two, the others, have sort of outshined her a little bit. But she really steps up to the plate in this one. I I thought she gets an awful lot to do in Mm -hmm. episode one, and she does it really, really well. So for me, I thought she was great, and she's very good with Liz Sladen. The two of them together have a, a great chemistry. Um and the, yeah, so I thought actually they're both very good. I mean, Liz Sladen's just so consistently brilliant
2: mm-hmm.
1: anyway in this. So you know, but but they work very well together. They seem to really bounce off each other. Um, in terms of giving a good performance. So uh, yeah, they're both really good. I thought in this. Yeah.
0: Absolutely, mate. Very very good. Mm. Um, uh, I the thing I liked about Yasmin Page's performance in this one was her sheer determination. So that i know it was written that way but you could really see like she was sort of just had this grit about her and she was not she wasn't she wasn't going to let anybody stop her from solving the case as it were yeah not even her own dad you know anybody she was she knew in her heart of hearts that sarah jane did exist and she you know she was a real person and she was going to she was going to sort this out no matter what. And I love that about her. just that determination and that grit and, Mm. you know, she was really up for it. Um, she,
1: she gets a bit of an Eccleston speech at one point, actually, doesn't she? She's like, I'm going to sort, I'm going to find Sarah Jane. I'm going to change everything back. And it reminded me of the doctor in at oh. the end of bad Wolf, where He's like, I'm coming to get you Rose. I'm going to sort out the doctor. So, oh yeah. She's got a, like an Eccleston speech. And again, she does it well. And, and when I say she sort of got lost a little bit because of the others, I just think the others have been stronger in terms of what they got to do in their performance. Uh-huh. Whereas this one, you know, I've really started to like Maria. I've liked her before, but I really liked her in this. I'm sort of much more on board with her character Mm -hmm. after this episode, if that makes sense.
0: No, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So I thought, yeah, along with you, mate, I thought she was really strong Mm. in this one. And then Liz Sladen, she was, um, she's so good in this. Yeah, yeah. So good. Consistent. Yeah, because they remove her from her sort of investigative ways if you like that we've seen in the previous stories Mm. and although she is in distress you know she has been kidnapped for the you know want of a better word she's she's there in sort of outside of her timeline and nobody else can rescue her other than Maria because Maria is the only one who's not been affected by the the mind wipe if you like yeah and uh, so she's in distress in a way but she kind of takes charge she's got this authority about her which is great because there's a bit in uh, episode two, where the, the trickster calls her name, and she's like, "Oh, I'm being summoned." And mm-hmm. as soon as she walks up to the trickster, there's no messing around. She's not intimidated. She's not scared or anything. Mm-hmm. And that then just transfers to the rest of the story. So when she's in the mirror, although she's not intimidated by the trickster, she's just, you know, heartbroken that she's. She hasn't got the control to fix it herself, so she's pleading with Andrea. You know, she's yeah. So I thought her performance again was—it's all about range for me. This story, the characters just show great amounts of, of of range from happy to angry to sad to distraught. It's just so good, and and Liz Leyden's just she she's up, she's up there. You know, I I welled up a couple of times where she when she was desperate to get back and mm. and that bit where the trickster says he's going after the doctor and she's yelling at the top of her voice like don't you yeah. dare yeah. don't you dare because she's got such feeling obviously for the doctor mm. um, I
1: thought of Pertwee it's weird isn't it because I know she travelled a lot more with Tom but <laughs> um, when she's like she's so upset about the fact he's clicked onto the doctor and she's like no you leave him alone i I was just thinking yeah because there's such a bond between sarah jane and the doctor and it it just reinforces that it's totally the same character doesn't (laughs) it all
0: this time later yeah absolutely mate. yeah so i think it's fair to say that we liked all of the characters yeah
1: i i yeah i was going to say if there is I'm not overstruck on the young Sarah Jane. I don't know, uh, Jessica Ashworth. Of course. I was going to say, if Uh, I'm going to, you know, because we've been very positive about this episode, and rightly so, if I'm going to sort of nitpick and and sort of explain away my score at the end, uh, they're they're fine, and they do their job perfectly well, but um, out of the two of them, I think the young Jessica Ashworth and Sarah Jane, the young Sarah Jane, she's a little bit... She's not the best... (laughs) actress if you know what I mean whereas I think um the young Andrea is is better because yes yeah, yeah uh you know as I said neither of them are particularly bad but um but yeah the young Sarah Jane she's a little bit um <laughs> yeah sort of child actorish. right yeah. right yeah yeah but but again they're they're still very good for for what they get to do yeah and also you know the scene where Andrea, young Andrea's, uh, sorry young Sarah Jane's Hank t- um, dangling from the pier mm-hmm. it, that, that was pretty well done wasn't it because Very I was well looking done. at that mm-hmm. thinking well hang on I'm assuming we're on a green screen or something here but I am right isn't it that did look really good didn't it, it I was just like really looking good. at it thinking because yeah. sometimes I think someone looks good and someone's like well clearly it's a sound stage but mm-hmm. I was looking at that thinking not quite sure how they've I don't know if that pier's a bit of set or if they've filmed the pier and they've superimposed... I'm not sure how they did it, but to me, it looked pretty good, the bit where they were both dangling from that pier. Mm-hmm. And when she falls in it, I don't... I just don't know. I no, mean, presumably, really, she wasn't yeah. really hanging from that pier.
0: Uh, I don't believe so. I mean, I think some of it was practical, I think, you know, there was... Mm-hmm.
1: don't know, but it was good. I mean, my, my partner, Fan, was like, well, she's probably standing on the bit to the left, and I was thinking, maybe... maybe they took out the flooring I don't know but it was well done
0: really well done yeah yeah just another little extra bit that shows the quality of TV making you know when you get it right when you've got a decent director and you can set these things up correctly yeah it's all good Yes.
1: Did uh, you think the um, little puzzle box looked a bit like the Siege Motardus as well? I thought it was to begin with. <laughs> I did. I did. I was like, is that the... No. Yeah. It also did look... It does look like the puzzle box from um, Hellraiser, Hellraiser as well, isn't is yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, as well. But uh, yeah, I did. I thought it was the Siege
0: Motardus at first. Literally, just for a few seconds, I thought that's the... Is that it? And then when you saw it in yeah. closer closer up, you thought, oh no, it's it does looks similar. Yeah. 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 Anything you want to mention, mate, before we... Before we lock in our scores.
1: No, I think that's that's it for me, mate. I think that's we've it. covered it.
0: Right. It's, I it's you, me. I think, to go. Yeah. yeah. So this is a pretty easy one for me. Mm. Uh, I I love this episode. I'm going to give it a nine. A nine? Yeah. A nine. Yep. Um, I'm going to join you. Are you? I'm, yes, wow.
1: I am. I'm giving it a nine. Because I, I, I'm only really knocking off... I mean, as I said earlier in the review, I've really... There isn't much to fault, I don't think. I think it's a strong story. I think the performances are very good. It nips along at a great pace, and it's satisfying by the end of it. So it's very, yeah, it's a nine, because the only reason I'm knocking off a point, really, is because I found the grasp a bit childish. It kind of took me a little bit out of the story, I suppose, right. just for a second, but it's still likable. And, uh, yeah, I thought the actress playing Sarah Jane as the younger version was a bit naff. But So it's not quite a ten, but it's definitely
0: a nine. Oh, absolutely, mate. Yeah, same reasons for me. I thought the, it, it's the it's the direction, the script, and the performances. Which you can probably argue. Yeah, I mean that encapsulates most TV shows or films. But I just thought all three of them were just, you know, just running like clockwork from start yeah, yeah. to finish. Yeah,
2: yeah. And
1: also, it's making me think. We're still in series one. I'm thinking, God, what? Like you said earlier, like they're going to have to sort of up their game to keep the quality, I think, uh, mm-hmm. which I, I hope they do. But I'm thinking, yeah, if this is a nine, what have we got to come? Exactly. I just I, yeah. just, I think I say this every time we do a Sarah Jane, but I can't wait to watch more. Mm-hmm. I literally, every time we finish one, I just want to watch them
0: all. So. Mm. It's, a, it's a good, um, it's been a really good journey so far. And I it think really it's has, uh, actually, yeah. the fact that we haven't seen some of these before is um, sort of watching it with fresh eyes is, is really cool.
1: Oh, definitely. And as i said to you before, it just reminds me of the quality shows we got when we were kids. Because we're of a similar-ish age, mm-hmm. and we had some great TV growing up. And it was—it's because it's got content. It's not throwaway, childish TV. That you know there is a lot of out there. It's—it's it's got more to it. Mm-hmm. It just—it's
0: yeah. It's, I'm really enjoying it. Yeah. Absolutely, mate. What did our listeners think? Let's uh, let's go through some of these. We did get an audio review, in. this is our our regular reviewer, Sammy Sateen from Down Under. Mm-hmm.
1: G'day Gary and Adam, Sammy Satine here So, whatever happened to Sarah Jane? Quite dark for a kid's show It's a strong story but I'm not sure how to feel about this one The trickster is a brilliant villain and you can see why he kept recurring I still think he should turn up in Doctor Who someday Get on it chibbers I'm not sure if I'm meant to like Andrea or not Anyway, see ya
0: Thank you Sammy Thanks.
1: I, mean, I think is a flawed character. Mm. I think that's the thing, because I did like her, but also she's a bit very selfish, but she's just one of those flawed characters, I think. Yes.
0: Mm. Yeah. Uh, we did get some mentions in on Twitter. Um, one of our writers, Jordan, said, uh, probably the best story from series one and one of Ooh. the best stories from the series as a whole. Oh, okay. The trickster is an excellent villain and his appearance in the next series is just as excellent. Um, it's a shame he never appeared in Doctor Who proper. Mm. Mm. Uh, Silent Nerd, C137. Uh, the story is a great debut for The Trickster and it's interesting to find out about Sarah Jane's past accident. One of the standouts for me um, is Alan Jackson, who gets to be the yeah. main character for the second part. It's definitely the best episode of Series 1. He gives it a 9 out of 10. Oh, okay. Yes. Um, Ash Prosser. Uh, whatever happened to Sarah Jane continues the Hooniverse's tradition of great penultimate stories. A great performance by the cast and Doctor Who legend. Paul Mark Davis is superb as the trickster. Highly rewatchable, eight out of ten.
1: Mm, very rewatchable, yeah. It is,
0: isn't it? Um and I think we had one more tweet. Where are we? Um I should get these in order, shouldn't I, before we do it. <laughs> um, no, that was it for Twitter. Uh, over okay. on Facebook, Dean Jones says, like the rest of the series, this is the first time I've watched it and it was great. Ooh, uh, cool. The story is engaging and towards the end really tragic too. Cast are all solid as usual, uh, but Jane Asher is terrific as Andrew Yates and I really like the trickster. Um, he gave it he gave it a 9 out of 10. Oh, same as us. Joseph Howarth, love this episode. It's that good, oh. I'm telling you. The trickster is one of my favourite enemies from Sarah Jane and this two-parter is just fantastic. One of my personal favourites, and I can't recommend it enough, nine out of ten. Another nine, yes. Lewis Palmer, absolutely amazing. One of the very best of the whole show. I saw a cloaked man on a dark street in my dreams for weeks after seeing this story. (laughs) It terrified me. Uh, This is the first time SJA goes deeper and darker with the characters we know and love and it works like a treat. Uh, Mm. Lines like, I've been dead for 40 years, send chills down my spine every single time. Mm. Um, It's also nice that SJA is prepared to explore the backstory, um, as it's quite a haunting revelation. This kicks off the Trickster Trilogy in style and cements the series as a deeper show than it initially seems. 9.5. A Trickster Trilogy? Mm. Ah,
1: wicked. I didn't even know we had a Trickster Trilogy, but I'm liking that.
0: There we go yeah Uh, charlie turner says best of series one um hands down a 10 out of 10 Mm, 10 out of 10 and lastly rob kelly says oh this is a good one one of my favorites nine out of 10 another nine yes another nine we're all on the same page no negatives do you know what i think yeah this is um it's a a consistent nine slash Mm. 10 out of 10 this one I'm so happy we're going through these Sarah Jane adventures. It's (laughs) I'll tell you what, it's really cool. So am I. I'm I'm loving it. Yeah, it's very very cool. Next week we're back to classic Doctor Who. Yes. What have we got next week? Next
1: week a bit of Fifth Doctor uh, Ah. action. Yeah, Fifth Doctor. We haven't seen him for a while, have we? Um, So it's Snake Dance next week.
0: Snake Dance. One I haven't seen for for quite a while.
1: Tegan. Tegan's in it. A little bit. Fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) Fantastic.
0: She is in, isn't she? Yeah, she must be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Snake dance then. Yes. That'll be interesting. That will be good. Indeed. And I think we're gonna do that, buddy. For one nine six. Okay. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for sticking with us throughout 196. A bit of a long episode this one, but we did mm. have quite a bit to talk through. Yes. From San Diego. Mm. So lots of cool stuff from there. It's great having lots of cool Doctor Who News. I think it's gonna I think it's it's gonna quieten down a bit now. So now that Comic Con's out the way, because they're still filming, they've got a couple of weeks left to do all that stuff, mm. I think it's gonna slowly Quiet down, and then it's going to ramp up a little bit as we get towards the start of the series. But it's great to have lots of cool stuff to talk through, and a bit of an insight into our new Doctor and the new series and stuff. But also great that it's uh, it's all on lockdown, and we're going to experience it all together. Yes, absolutely, indeed. So next week, the Fifth Doctor, Snake Dance, Snake Dance. Yeah, get your DVDs out, get it watched. get it watched because we'll be asking for your reviews and stuff as always in the meantime head over to the website www.bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk you can listen to all of our previous shows on there and it's got buttons to link off to our social stuff so you can chat to us Um, during the week we chat lots of Doctor Who on there Twitter, Facebook, Mm -hmm. Instagram all that stuff and uh, there's also buttons to um, go off to the podcast directories so if you want to give us a subscribe So that every Friday it just drops in nicely and you can give us a listen. You don't miss a show. iTunes is the big one if you're a listener on there. If you could spare a minute for a review and a rating, that would be awesome because that really helps us out lots and lots. Also, check out Adam's channel over on YouTube. The big, no, (laughs) the big, it's not the big, it's not the big handbag, is it? (laughs) No, it's the Geeks handbag. Yes. The Big Geeks Handbag. <laughs> Go over to Adam's channel on
1: YouTube, The Geeks yeah. Handbag. Yeah, I'm working on some great new vids at the minute. Actually, got you two or be, three uh, in the fire. I've got a few in the fire.
0: Oh, nice, nice. Getting re- getting ready to do them. Yeah, you won't be disappointed. So many good videos know, on mate. Adam's channel. Give him a subscribe, and he's also on the usuals: Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all that. Uh, yeah, just give us a sub, give us a like. Honestly, we chat so much waffle we about you throughout the week. <laughs> yeah. Until next week for one nine seven. My name's Gary my name's Adam and remember I'm <laughs> e- e-